You're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. WAPG. It's the Airline Pilot Guy. Airline Pilot Guy episode 528. Hello, you're listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show. The view from our side of the cockpit door. With your host, Captain Jeff, broadcasting live from Studio 4C at the Westin in Jersey City, New Jersey. Today's show is recorded on the 7th of July, 2022. Today's episode, a United flight lands on the wrong runway in Pittsburgh. A blown tire damages the body of an Emirates Airbus. More news and your feedback. So get all settled in. Tray tables and seat backs in the upright and locked positions. Electronic devices powered on. I'm Radio Roger, and Flight 528 is ready for pushback. Thank you, Radio Roger. He's an award-winning TV and radio reporter, currently at the number one all-news station in the nation, 1010 Winds in New York which is just like right over the river. I'm on the Hudson River uh, right now at Weston, as just as uh, he just mentioned. And uh, in a moment, I'll introduce somebody else that's with me here as well. But you're uh, listening to the Airline Pilot Guy Show, an aviation podcast covering the latest in aviation news and answering your great feedback. I'm Captain Jeff, a pilot at a major legacy airline based in Atlanta, Georgia. And joining me today from his home studio in the Valley of the Sun, world traveler, airplane mechanic, doggy rescue volunteer, fitness hound, and international air freight captain, it's Miami Rick. Hey, everybody. It's been a little while, but I'm happy to be back. We have some great topics, great people, and it's going to be another good one. Excellent. Glad that you could make it this week, Miami Rick, and also joining us from his studio. In Hartford, Hereford, and Hampshire. Professional photographer, former RAF, RAAF fighter pilot, retired Airbus A330, A340 captain for Virgin Atlantic Airways. It's Captain Nick. Guten Tag, meine Luftkissenfahrzeug ist füllt mit allen. Yeah, I'll say you're doing some fartzig. Wow. <laughs> and, uh, all right. And uh, also yep. joining us from his home studio in the air capital, low and slow pilot, old airplane enthusiast and engineer in the aerospace and defense industry, Nick Camacho. Although I think that he's actually not in his home studio in the air capital. Tell us where you're from, Nick. Well, I'm, I'm from Wichita. Okay, where are you did now? That <laughs> uh, yeah, we're down in uh, Holliston, Missouri, which is near Branson. Uh, we have our little, my wife's family uh, lake trip, annual lake trip. So we're down here at Table Rock Lake. Oh, Ooh, Ozark country. Oh, yep. make, be careful. You don't want to get in trouble yeah. for doing uh, this kind of thing <laughs> when you're on vacation. So if, I understand yep. if you have to leave soon. <laughs> um, uh, also joining me, sitting right next to me, it is First Officer Frank from Acme Crane, a large European airline who happens to be at the same hotel that I'm staying uh, in Jersey City. 
And we'll talk to him here in a moment. But before we do that, let's go ahead and introduce our producer-director from her studio in Toronto, Ontario, Canada, a place where you can stand and grow. Retired financier, aviation enthusiast, spreadsheet master, and our producer-director, it's Liz Piper. Hi, everybody. Welcome, Frank. Yeah, hi. Welcome. All right. So, as I said, yeah, uh, just uh, here in uh, Jersey City, just came in a couple of hours ago. Uh, as we were getting out of our hotel van, he was looking through the window. He had just gone to get some. I was eating, and eating, yeah. going back to the hotel. I saw a guy with a white mustache. I thought, well, that could be Captain Jeff, but I don't know. So I went to him, saw his uh, Acme uniform, and asked, "Well, are you the airline pilot guy?" And well. I get that all the time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, so uh, I uh, was introduced to, he introduced himself, uh, flies for that uh, European carrier on layover here. And and just a little bit, in fact, he's yeah. not going to be able to stay with us very long because he's got to get everything together for his flight that he's leaving on tonight, heading back to uh, a um a Bavarian city. A Bavarian in, uh, city. Yeah. In the southern part of Southern Germany. part of yeah. some kind of, uh, yeah, Germany, mm -hmm. I guess. Yeah. All right. Excellent. So very nice to meet you. And I'm glad that you yeah, uh, asked it's if very I was nice the airline I could pilot. be here to see this. I'm yeah. like a big fan of the show. Like um, episode 150 was the first one. Look at that. And um, 150. Yeah, 150. Long time listener. But I have to make a confession. Yeah. I have a backlog. Oh. 10 episodes, 10 shows. Well, already. I mean, I have a backlog too, but, uh, oh, backlog. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. A little embarrassing. Sorry. Oh, um, fiber, Jeff. Fiber. <laughs> fiber really helps with that. <laughs> uh, but you know what? Uh, yeah. Everybody has a backlog of episodes and you know what? You don't, you really don't have to go back and listen to them all. Uh -huh. Just like stay with the current one and just go forward. Right. Mm. But we do have. People that have the syndrome that uh, just can't help themselves. True, and, true. And uh, they could, they just uh, insist on listening to all the shows and uh, bless their hearts, I guess. <laughs> anyway, um, so. What, does, what kind of plane does Frank what fly? Kind of, what yeah. kind of airplane do you fly, Frank? At the moment, I'm flying the A350. I was flying the A340, but during COVID, that went away from the airline. Um, now I'm just flying the 350 with mm -hmm. a slight chance to fly the A380 Ooh. later this year, perhaps. Ooh. It's not really known what's going to happen, but there's a slight possibility. Excellent. So mm -hmm. would you say that the A350 is um, about 10 better than the A340? Mm, about 50. Oh, 50 better. Okay. Mm -hmm. well, yeah, yeah. Why is it not the A390? <laughs> That's what I'd like to know. Anyway, um, yeah, some... Bad humor, but that's what I'm known for. Deep, yeah. It's a deep interviewing skill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, yeah. My deep I'm noticing. <laughs> so Liz is, is being really sweet to me again and, and, and complimenting my finely honed interviewing skills. Hmm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you, Liz. Um, anyway, um, so what do you think? Should we uh, – anything else to say about mm. you and – your career and yeah, well, else? the short bio. I started flying uh, for the airlines in 2000. Started with a uh, Canadair, the uh, climb regional jet, or the climb restricted jet. Uh, did that for seven years. Then went to uh, another airline, flew the A320 family like 10 years. And then I had the possibility to go to the 747 or the A340-600. And because I was already listening to this show, it was an easy, uh, an easy choice. 
because mm. I did not go to the jumbo. I just followed uh, Nick's advice and went straight to the A340. <laughs> Great <laughs> advice. Well, 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 and I do not you regret missed it. Out, my friend, you missed out. <laughs> well, well, I had the opportunity to sit in the cockpit of a 747 just to try it out. And I sat in the right mm. seat and my uh, shoulder was touching the window. <laughs> there was a huge brown thing between my legs. <laughs> well, wait, yeah. this is a family, family show. Well, sorry, I'm sorry, here. sorry. Family <laughs> show. Family show. <laughs> and I thought, no, sorry. Uh, no. Nah. <laughs> So okay. yeah. I love it. Uh, that, that, that's very fair. That's extremely fair, <laughs> yeah. Frank. And uh, I'm I'm sure looking back on it, uh, you uh, love that 600. It was a the 340 was lovely. The 340 was a bit well slow. It was a, it was a bit of a dog? Yeah, but, but also uh, nice. We'll forgive them that. A bit, I think. <laughs> and the good thing is, I still have my hearing because everybody I know that flies the 747, they really have a hearing problem. It's loud, yeah. but Rick knows yeah. that. Well, I oh, flew the yeah. 727, and I can I really don't have any idea what you're saying right now. Because <laughs> I <laughs> lost my hearing. Yeah, what? Huh? huh? Yeah. No, but, it's uh, it's you know sitting up on the on the 74. It's 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 interesting that that side picture is a little a little you know different than what most most people are used to, and uh, it's really tricky. I and mean, I've talked about this before, where you. Uh, the, the taxiing could really get away from you because you're so high up off the ground that you really have to rely on your ground speed to make those turns and uh, not skid all over the place. So, um, but yeah, missed out. Yeah, he did. In fact, he's so upset about it. He just left. Yeah, he just left. He was like, I should have taken his chance. Oh, wait, he's, oh, no, he's, no, no. he's collected oh, yeah. himself now. He's, did you get yeah. some Kleenex to help yes, uh, wipe the tears yes, off your yes. cheeks? Yeah, I know. It was uh, chair number three now. Okay. <laughs> oh, oh, really? Yeah, we we're, we're there. Uh, we have an overabundance of chairs now being delivered to my room, and uh, it must have been your stern tone with uh, yes, yes. Front desk. I spoke German the second oh, time. Boy. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, there you go. All right. Johnny so what? Johnson it? Johnny Johnson has a question. Any paint issues with their A three fifties like Cutter is having? Um, I've not seen any issues doing the walk around. Everything looks good. All right. Yeah. There you go. Okay. Good to know. Good oh, to interesting. know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, yeah. what do you think about uh, starting with uh, covering a couple of news items before you head out? Why not? Go okay. For it. Let's do it. So without further ado, here we go. Time for news. Stand by for news. Okay, our first news item is this from the Aviation Herald. An Emirates Airbus A3, uh, speaking of Airbuses and A380s, yep. 800 registration Alpha 6 Echo Victor Kilo performing flight 430 from Dubai, uh, United Arab Emirates to Brisbane, Australia, Queensland, departed Dubai's runway 30 left, climbed to initially flight level 310 and up to flight level 390. On approach to Brisbane, the crew advised ATC that they were suspecting that they blew a tire on takeoff and requested emergency services on standby. The aircraft landed on Brisbane's runway 19 right about 13.5 hours after departure and was towed to the apron. A large hole in the left-hand wing route fairing was observed, followed by discovery of 
penetration at the underside of the fuselage. The aircraft mm. was, uh, was unable to depart for its return flight and is still on the ground in Brisbane about 17 hours after landing, at least when this was written. According to gossip, and uh, do we do gossip here? Darn right yes. we do. Yes. yes, we do. Yes, Simon does. <laughs> yes, Simon do. does for sure. According to gossip inside the airline, the damage occurred during takeoff from Dubai. A Brisbane airport employee reported in a local interview that the crew advised that they suspected a blown tire on takeoff. Emergency services were on standby for the landing. And uh, and then it uh, goes on to talk about a missing bolt and cap at the nose gear. I'm not sure what that has to do with the uh, incident regarding the the tire um, explosion. Um, but um, anyway, I think we have a little bit more information on uh, this Twitter post. Um, nope, not there. Anyway, I, I think I read somewhere that uh, at some point in the climb, uh, somebody, uh, one of the flight attendants heard a, a very loud explosion back around where the main landing gear is and uh, reported it to the crew. And I guess they got some kind of an indication um, in the cockpit. I guess you would get some some kind of an indication yeah, that, going that was, on. That was going to be my question. You know, if, if you know, I imagine the 380 has some kind of a TPMS or a, a tire pressure monitoring system um, that feeds in at the ECAM somewhere. Um, mm-hmm. I imagine that they do because even some of the old 7.6s I fly around, uh, they, they have that. Um, and uh, that would be your first indication. They also want to say that... Uh, um, great, great um, handling of, uh, of this situation by the crew because if you have a, you know, right after takeoff, probably not not max takeoff weight, but very close to, you know, coming back around with some kind of tire issue, you have, you know, one less tire, one less brake to count on, all that stuff. And then on top of that, you, you know, you have a plane load of passengers that are just paid good money to go from A to B. You don't want to have to, uh, you know, bring them back around and land over something that can be uh, handled on the other end of the trip. And so, um, and, and the number three, uh, the, the hole that was uh, found in the fuselage um, on top of the hole that was obviously in the, uh, in the fairing, really not that big a deal as long as the pressurization system is able to comp, uh, to compensate, um, and maintain that, uh, Delta P yes. Delta P. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, shoot. uh, shouldn't be an issue. Oh, well, I guess the, the, uh, the, the, the outflow valve or outflow valves, all they have to do really is to you know, pick up the slack and, uh, and, and keep the aircraft pressurized. So, uh, I'm yeah. pretty sure that's an unpressurized portion. I think so too. The fairing is, the fairing is, but, but I did read here that the, uh, the fuselage was also, um, penetrated. Oh, okay. Didn't oh, know about it? that. Okay. Didn't yeah. see that either. Did you, what was that term you used, uh, Rick? Oh, you mean Delta P? Yeah, that's it. Thank you. <laughs> wasn't quite ready for, for that. The, you had to um, warn me. It does say that the fuselage was penetrated by debris, but I think they're referring to the hole that came out through that uh, belly fairing, uh, Rick. Uh, okay, not the, not the actual pressure vessel. Itself. Yeah, I wouldn't have thought so. No. Yeah, so, like, what do you think about that decision? Um, you know, flying 19 hours, um, as I don't know, uh, I guess the uh, A380 has fuel jettisoning capability. Um, mm. So you could have dumped a whole heck of a lot of fuel into the environment and landed back at Dubai or continuing, you know, uh, the the entire route um, and burning the fuel and getting the passengers to where they wanted to go. Um, I don't know. What, what, what are your thoughts, uh, Frank, regarding that? Um, it's, of course, interesting. Um, you can do both things. Uh, normally, I would not choose to fly the distance 
if I am at my home base with maintenance, with, mm-hmm. with other connections that the, uh, that the passengers can take, I would probably stay in Dubai, but I wasn't there, so I cannot say for right. sure. But say, if they did not know, if I did not have yeah. any indication. But you must know that on this show, yeah. we speculate yeah, of and course. pretty much everything that we say <laughs> is the right way to do it, yeah. right? Yeah, no, of course, of course. Right. <laughs> but when I see that hole, uh, it yeah. must cause some drag, so you would yeah. have a yeah. higher fuel flow. Um, I don't know if a 18-hour flight uh, would have <laughs> enough fuel then, but uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, what do you think, Captain Nick? Captain, Captain, oh, Captain? Um, I think it was a, quite a reasonable decision. Uh, I'm assuming that you can actually see that hole uh, from the passenger windows. I wonder if any of the passengers spotted it. And uh, let the crew know, because if you peer down through the oh, yeah. passenger windows, you could probably see the hole and they could ass- yeah. make an assessment themselves as to whether they thought it was okay to continue. I have to say, if I'd seen a hole that large in my aircraft, I would have had a good old think about it and chatted to the engineers uh, exactly. back at you know yeah. my base and also to operations and uh, then got the chief pilot to authorize me to fly <laughs> all the way to Brisbane <laughs> before I continued ass. on to oh, reduce as much liability as possible. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you, you just need to spread. You just need spread, to spread all that, uh, all that irresponsibility around a bit. So it's just not you carrying the can. But, yeah, I, I, I'm not too worried about that because, as we all know, it's, it's just a uh, – uh, streamlined covering of the undercarriage bays, really. And, uh, you know, it doesn't form a structural integrity, uh, it, that particular part of the airframe. It's, it's really, it's fine if it, uh, it you know, is uh, uh, a little damaged. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I think that's a reasonable decision. And, uh, of course, the proof of the pudding is they got everyone safely to yeah. Brisbane. And uh, if they crashed halfway there then perhaps we'd have would a different have been a decision <laughs> then, <laughs> exactly yeah, that's what would have been bad but you know exactly. what to be fair to be fair we do know of a, of a case and i personally know the person that was involved um of a triple seven that took off from miami and uh, uh from an intersection and uh oh, took yeah. out the approach uh lighting for runway mm-hmm. two seven and uh flew all the way to doha uh, like that mm-hmm. and so it uh, it you know in that case uh they didn't know that they had uh taken out the uh the approach landing system, although um, I gather they didn't need a change of underwear at uh, top of climb. Um, <laughs> and so that might have been an indication. But uh, it, it does happen. It can happen. And, you know, it, they, they did uh, they did come out uh, the other end uh, with without without a problem without a, you know, but uh, yeah, I, but I agree with with Nick wholeheartedly, um, especially one of the one of the uh, one of the uh, most important things about uh, your command is um, never being the one that carries all the responsibility on, on your back, obviously, you know, just try to spread that around and uh, get as many points of view and uh, as, as you possibly can. You do have certainly all, all the tools available to you. You have SATCOM, you have ACARs, you have all sorts of ways to communicate with, with, uh, with the ground maintenance engineering and, uh, and your, and the chief pilot and all that. And so that uh, you're not the one making the, the, the call, you spread that around. Yeah. But in the end you are responsible. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. No, no, quite yeah. right. You you do uh, take the ultimate responsibility, and that's why we all get paid the big bucks. But, uh, yeah, if you can say in your defense that you sought expert opinion from all these different people, 
and that everyone was in agreement, then I think it lessens your concern. Of course. Uh, and people will say, w wouldn't you be a bit stressed about flying an uh, airplane all that way? No, the damage is done. It's, you know, it's all, it's all over, really, uh, bar the landing, which you're going to have to do somewhere. So mm -hmm. why not do it at your destination rather than, uh, as uh, has been suggested, uh, having dumped hundreds upon hundreds of tons of fuel and... Um, uh, you know, get the passengers nowhere. So, yeah. and yeah. still be on the on you know on the overweight side of things because uh, yeah, exactly. I, I, yeah. Know, mine is a tire well, and a break and a break. Uh, yeah. Frank brought up uh, flying away from your home base. I think that was kind of the first thing I thought of too. Was just the impacts of possibly having to do a major repair to the airplane mm -hmm. that happened so. at your home base versus going to a an outlying base, but I assume anywhere they're flying a 380 is going to be a huge airport with plenty of maintenance. Is that the yeah. case? Yeah, and of course that's the point of liaising with your engineering base and saying, you know, if I take this to Brisbane, can we get it fixed? Or do I need to stay here in the um, Middle East? So, yeah, uh, if they say, yeah, no problem, we've got a couple of spare tires there and uh, we can fly one in, in within 24 hours if necessary, uh, so you carry on. Uh, so that's that's the, the thing. If you've made sure that you've got the facilities wherever you're headed, then uh, it's probably fine to carry on. Yeah. My only concern would be, in this case, um, if that fairing would probably break up because it's structurally not um, intact anymore. If we fly 8.4, uh, Mach 8.5, something like that with the 380, if it breaks and it goes into your stabilizer, um, you've got another problem. You do absolutely, yeah. So, yeah, so I don't know. I find the hole a bit, a bit big. Yeah. Actually, if airflow goes in well, there and it's not it started too. a lot smaller. Yeah. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> oh wait a minute! We have some breaking news. Uh, somebody, our audience member, uh, Tony Smith, uh, he said I had a tire blowout on my way to uh, from Corfu Airport to my holiday cottage last week. That didn't make the news though. Oh. But it did here. Oh. It made the news here yeah. on the APG. Absolutely. Right. Glad that yep. you're okay. And you, it wasn't a, yeah. a ah, Corfu is a beautiful no place crashes. too. Yeah. No crashing. Mm -hmm. All right. Yeah. Anything else to say you think? Yeah. I would say I will be leaving now because okay. uh, my That's flight is say. going in a few hours. Yeah. You Have need to, to get ready in my Superman uniform. And Ooh, yeah. Do, my <laughs> stuff, yeah. do your meditation. Yes, you really get psyched up. And I think you said you were uh, getting some kind of a line check as well. It's my annual line check. Okay. Yes, um, I was the pilot flying on the way to Newark. Now I'm the pilot monitoring. Ah. Just have to do a bit of uh, ATC calls. Yeah, you've done the hard work. Yeah, the hard yeah. work is done. Now I just <laughs> yeah. have to fly out of um, the states. And when I'm in Canada, I can say CPDLC, and I don't have to talk anymore. <laughs> done. <laughs> Good for you. Brilliant. Yeah. Awesome. I like yeah. it. Yeah. Frank, so nice to meet you. Jeff, really. Thank it was you a for pleasure. Our... Thank you for yeah. uh, showing me this. Absolutely. And, um, it was nice to really a guest host like you. All right. The show. Great. Then, thanks, and bye-bye, everybody. Cheers. Take care, Frank. Bye, Frank. Flight. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Again. Sure. Yeah, make sure you have everything. Yeah, I have. Okay. And the chair, I'll leave it just here. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll get it back to my uh, first If you leave officer. something All valuable, that's the last time you'll ever see it. Right, take you can friend. check eBay. Have a good flight. Be there. <laughs> yes, you can buy it back off eBay. Okay, yes. I'm going to switch <laughs> headsets. All right. There, there we are. are. Okay, that was very nice. Well, yeah, that was great. Warm.
That was great. Yeah, I, I was kind of, I, like I was thinking you might uh, string him along there for half an hour, an hour, Jeff. Well, I was hoping they'd stay the, a little bit longer, uh, but I guess we had things. He was to do. late. <laughs> yes. Get back at the first officer out. fraternity for what they did to you a couple of days ago. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> True. Okay. Very good. So that was very nice uh, to have uh, one of our longtime community members actually get to be involved in the show like that. That's a lot of fun for me, and I'm sure it was for him as well. Maybe. Perhaps not. Okay. Uh, let's see. Let me find uh, the Evernote uh, thing here. Um, let's move on to the next item, which uh, is also from the Aviation Herald, uh, Simon Radke. Uh, United Boeing 737-9 MAX. <gasps> Uh-oh. Registration November 37513. Performing flight 2627 from Chicago O'Hare to Pittsburgh with 168 passengers and six crew was cleared for a visual approach and was cleared to land on Pittsburgh's runway 28 center. However, lined up with runway 28 left and continued for a landing on runway 28 left. There were no injuries and no damage. Uh, let's see. Upon con initial contact with pit approach control, the flight crew was told to expect a visual approach to runway 32 and to Pittsburgh. The flight crew briefed the new approach and proceeded to load the ILS-32 approach into the flight management computer to back up the visual approach. Okay, so far so good. While being radar vectored on the downwind and descending through about 4,000 feet, the flight crew indicated that they had a check landing altitude message displayed briefly on the FMC. After the message disappeared and with the autopilot engaged, the aircraft reverted to control wheel steering pitch mode. Uh, they selected level change, reselected the autopilot to command mode. Not sure why that's a factor here, but anyway, it's in the report. The uh, airplane began its descent at about 9.18 in the morning, uh, Eastern Daylight Time. And as they were descending, approach control asked them if they could accept a visual approach to runway 28 center. The weather was clear and the winds were uh, 250 degrees at four knots, so they accepted the runway change. The first officer then reprogrammed the FMC for the RNAV GPS Yankee 28 Center to back up the visual approach. Again, bravo. That's what we should always do. Have some kind of a backup underlying approach to confirm what we're seeing with our eyeballs on a visual. The flight crew established communication with the local controller when the airplane was approximately six and a half miles east of the airport. They advised the controller they were on a visual approach to runway 28 center, to which the controller cleared them to land on 28 center. According to the captain, approximately two miles from supper on an intercept heading and while descending, the screen was black. Both FMCs blanked except for the aircraft communications addressing reporting system, ACARS prompt, and no FMC prompt. The captain used heading select and level change on the mode control panel. However, when the airplane joined an approximate six-mile final, it was aligned with runway 28 left. When the airplane was, I'm just wondering to myself, why didn't they just turn everything off and hand fly it? But you know, that's me. Um, the flight crew requested verification of their clearance to land on runway 28 center. The controller advised the flight crew of mowing in progress in the grass area and cleared them to land on runway 28 center. The flight crew read back their clearance to land on 28 center. You're getting the gist here, right? 28 center, 28 center. About 944, the airplane landed on runway 28 left, uh, turned right off the runway, exited runway 28 left at taxiway Fox 5. The controller noticed the airplane was lined up for runway 28 left when it was on short final, but decided that it was more appropriate to allow the airplane to land given their altitude. 
The facility reported that the traffic volume was light with routine complexity. The distance from the airport traffic control tower to the runway 28 center threshold was approximately 7,500 feet. Um, so uh, there's the um, picture on the video there of um, all the runways at the Pittsburgh International Airport. 3-2 in the bottom right-hand corner at the, uh, di the diagonal runway was the one that they were originally setting up for, and then they asked if they could uh, instead um, fly a visual approach to 2-8 center, which in this case, these are all runways on the southern portion of the uh, airport as far as southern uh, in relation to the airport uh, concourses and terminals. Um, but there is a runway north of all that, and that is uh, runway 28 right. And I'm thinking maybe they don't get into Pittsburgh very often, and they were confused a little bit about the runway layout and thinking the 28 center must be the one, you know, that they landed on, but you know, not thinking about the one that quite a bit to the north, two eight right, and uh, when you when you consider that that's the northernmost or the right runway, then they may have understood that two eight center is the one that looks like it's on the right, and you know from well, their advantage. Yeah, like uh, the only thing with two eight center is that there'd be a runway to your left, right? Mm -hmm. If you were on two eight center, and if you were on land up two eight left, like they did, there's nothing to the left. So I don't. Oh, I mean, that's I don't true. That's true. So uh, that's one thing. Then the other thing I can perhaps comment in this is that, um, yeah, visual approaches are great uh, when you back them up by an instrument approach procedure, which is what they were do uh, what they were doing. Mm -hmm. um, my personal philosophy is if there's an ILS, just obviously just take the ILS because you're not depending on 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 FMC or or aircraft generated uh, lateral and vertical path guidance. Um, and then the other thing here is. Um, as part of the um, arrival procedure, uh, th there's a briefing involved, right? Mm -hmm. And so w what I personally do when there are changes uh, presented uh, to us, because obviously we operate in a very dynamic environment. It's what, it's what we do. It's what we get paid for. And it's what we plan for. But if you are not anticipating that particular change or that particular change of plans, uh, I would I would just I would just stick with what what I had um, because all of a sudden you have one guy flying uh, taking care of everything and then the other oh, guy's no, heads no, down no, trying no, to load no. in the procedure. Uh, nobody briefed what the procedure is. Uh, nobody briefed. Uh, I, I I imagine they had uh, landing uh, numbers for that runway um, because well it looks like those runways are longer than three two, so the the I guess the the, the landing analysis would apply. Um, but then again, what put yourself in that position? Um, again, I wasn't there. I don't know what happened. Um, but just the, the worst thing you can do is, 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 is put yourself in a position where you were rushed uh, to get something done uh, when you were already on a very stable path to a very stable outcome uh, beforehand. Um, and so uh, I, I, I would have stayed on 3-2 personally. Yeah, they're just trying to help out, and sometimes when you yeah, help out, can exactly. it can throw you off and put it, you in peril. It, exactly, it, it you, you end up you end up getting burned. Um, and so, uh, but yeah, but uh, uh, Liz is making a good point. She said she thinks it's because it was a max. That's why this all happened. Uh, <laughs> yeah, um, I was, so, was going to make a point mm -hmm. there. Um, that's all. I quite agree with uh, Rick um, about the controller deciding uh, for the crew that he wasn't going to tell them that they'd lined up for the wrong runway um, once you realized. Uh, because, of course, the crew are intimately aware of their landing distance. Uh, and 
the figures they've calculated, and they might be using a brake setting that, in this case, they had no problem turning off. But just as a general rule, uh, I would say, you know, you, you shouldn't um, not inform the crew because if it had been a shorter runway and the crew had calculated a brake uh, uh, setting that would take them to the end of the runway, for example. But, you know, I'm just saying that it's not ideal because the controller doesn't know what's in the pilot's head when he says, oh, I just won't tell him. It could come as a big shock when they suddenly realize that whatever they've set up to stop on the runway is not working properly now because they've landed on the wrong runway. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, yeah, in this case, maybe the best thing that the controller could have done at that point was to just tell him to go around you yeah know. absolutely and there's nothing unsafe about a low uh, go around mm -hmm. uh, we're all trained for it in fact so uh yeah that, that would possibly yeah. be the safer option keep in mind you can go around even after touchdown the the, the break off point there is the second you you select reverse thrust then you are staying on the ground but even after touchdown you can yeah. opt for a go around and just fly perfectly fine yeah as long as yeah. the uh the spoilers haven't come out and the reversers and all that kind of stuff then then you're well yeah out. i mean reversers reversers that's that's a no-go right. but even even the spoilers when you when you bring the the power yeah, uh the, the, the receivers forward they uh, they should retract exactly. yeah depending on the airplane but all, most modern airplanes are like that i think mm -hmm. um now, not being a boeing bloke uh with that when their fmc's hiccuped uh would that possibly have taken away the FM guidance uh, from their nav displays, which would have yeah, it, the problem of identifying. It would have. It would have. So on these on these um, um, on these maxes, and uh, it's very similar to the LDS system we have on the new seven sixes and the seven eight sevens and seven and triple sevens and all that. You have a um, a a setting called the. Um, IAN uh, mode on the autopilot, and that stands for Integrated Approach Navigation. Um, and it's kind of like selecting approach on the ILS on the uh, mode control panel there for the autopilot to track the localizer and the glide slope down. It's the same IAN tracks your lateral, um, uh, I guess, LNAV track and your your FMC generated glide path down. And so, if the FMCs blank out. Then all of a sudden you find yourself without lateral and vertical guidance, which is why I, I imagine the, the 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 flying pilot reverted to head and select and uh, and flight level change, which is a little weird because flight crew training manual stipulates that flight level change shall not be used below a thousand feet. Uh, I, I, f I forget when exactly that was selected, um, but uh, the issue with flight level change is that flight level change is a mode that that basically brings the thrust levers back to idle. And now you're controlling the pitch of the aircraft with your speed. Uh, so the faster you go, the higher your pitch down, the slower you go, the lower your pitch down. Basically the air, the autopilot is going to be pitching for that, for that, looking for that new speed and changing the pitch accordingly, which is why it's more, um, I guess, appropriate in that, in that uh, uh, late, portion of the flight to use either vertical speed um really all you do is you take your ground speed drop the zero divide by two and add a zero that gives you what your 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 descent rate should be for a three degree glide and um either that or uh newer autopilots i believe the max has this as well um you have what is called uh flight path angle so you just switch it over to flight path angle and select a three degree glide path 
And that should put you down to where you need to be. My jet even um, has that. There you go. So, um, now my mind doesn't. It is a Boeing. Why, it is a Boeing. You know. Well, yeah, the Boeing. That's why so. I kind of and and, that, and that's a good one. You you, you got to you know figure out what um, the quick math to figure out what your what a three degree glide would be based on your ground speed. You have to be able to figure that out in your head quickly. Bottom line is they should have been familiar enough with the layout of the airport runways to know that, you know, which runway is which, because that's a, kind of an important thing for us, mm -hmm. um, both for taking off and landing. And, um, yeah, I'm sure that they had some splaining to do after they after this. The the they didn't hit the guys yeah, yeah. on the lawnmowers, that's sure. They did say they were on the, you know, in the grassy area. So, I mean, they, they were probably clear of the <laughs> runways all the time. I mean, if it hit those anyway. guys, that, that would have been a whole other host of problems. Yeah, a lot more paperwork. Yep. Um, so it yep. it said they joined on a six mile final on two eight left. Mm -hmm. At at that point, did they still have enough time to fix that problem, or would that be a go round? Like, are they close enough to? Well, six mile final is what eighteen hundred feet, and you have to be stabilized by a thousand. So you have eight hundred feet, which counting about an 800 feet a minute gives you about a minute to do everything you need to do to be stable by a thousand. So I say now pretty tight. Um, yeah. Okay. And that's why I say, I mean, you know, late, late changes like these are the ones that get you in trouble. So just, I mean, you're, you're the one operating the aircraft. You're like, can you take two eight center? Oh, we could, but no. And it happens to me all the time. You know, like the ATC will come along and, you know, ask me if I can do something. And I've already planned and briefed for something else. And I just I say no. Sorry. Yeah, I think a lot of it has to do with your familiarity with the airport. You know, if you've flown in and now there are yeah. a lot of your experience level with the airplane. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, for me, uh, in this scenario, that wouldn't have been a big deal at all. Um, and probably, you know, 99 times out of 100 it's not a problem. This this one out of a hundred, uh, the dudes uh, lined up on the wrong run runway, and uh, both crew members let it happen. Um, you know, it it shouldn't have happened. And air traffic control. And air traffic control. But he he did notice. He claims he noticed when they were on very short final. But um, yeah. Hmm. Anyway, some human error uh, there for sure. But um, after all, take. Everything that I say with a grain of salt because I'm an old school cowboy. So, you know, there's that. Yeah. And if it's someplace I'm going into that I don't get into very often, you know, then then everything is a little bit different. But uh, like for if this is Atlanta, for instance, and we're coming in, and this has happened to me several times going into Atlanta, something happens ahead of me on eight left, and they said, Do you have eight right in sight? You know, nobody's there for uh, lining up for takeoff. And I said, Yeah. And they said, can, can you accept? the sidestep to eight right and i said absolutely you know I, I've, I've done this many 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 times in my 30 plus years of flying in and out of atlanta but you know going to a place that i'm not used to going into then i may you know take a different make a different decision don't do that on your last flight because the water cannons will be on the original okay liz is making the point that on my last flight i should not accept that because the water cannon trucks will be although they're usually <laughs> off off you know in the ramp area not on the runways themselves although that would be really cool to have the fire trucks actually shooting the water over the runway as i'm in the flare i like that I like it. good there point. you go we'll see what we can arrange okay good yeah, but you know what? <laughs> My retirement flight's probably going to be a lot like uh, Nick's. I, I don't really realize it at the time that it's my last flight. Um, but uh, anyway, 
we can go into that later. I still have a year and a half to mull all this over. Um, let's uh, proceed with the next Another good one. news item. Yeah, here we go. Uh, Liz claims it's a good one, so let's find out, see if she's right. A TAP Air Portugal Airbus A330-900 registration Charlie Sierra Tango Uniform Lima performing flight 288 from Luanda, Angola. Hey, Nick's favorite place. To <laughs> No, his favorite place is uh, Nigeria, I think. Or maybe Luanda. Yeah, yeah, I've, I have, I've never been to Luanda. Oh, you haven't been? Okay. Them, never landed. Uh, to yeah, Lisbon, yeah. Portugal, with 148 passengers, 10 crew. Taxi to Luanda's uh, runway 23 for takeoff from intersection Echo because works on the runway were in progress. The aircraft was accelerating for takeoff from Luanda's runway 23 when the captain observed the runway end coming nearer too early as the aircraft accelerated ah! through 147 <laughs> knots indicated airspeed. And then they reached the crown of the runway and re- realized that uh, there was a lot more runway. Re- no, just kidding. That was a different, different story. Um, applied full thrust, permitting the aircraft to rotate at the runway end. Oh, no kidding. It actually got to the runway end. The aircraft became airborne at 163 knots indicated just at the runway end uh, about seven seconds after full thrust was applied flight attendants reported to the flight crew that dust was seen outside of the aircraft during rotation Ooh, that's normal yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well maybe it is at luanda i don't know uh that observation was confirmed by tower the crew continued the flight to lisbon for a landing without further incident about seven and a half hours after departure they had a lot of time to think about this one there were no injuries and no damage to the aircraft Portugal's GPIAA reported the aircraft took uh, took off with a gross mass of 191,394 kilograms at 163 knots indicated exactly at the end of the runway seven seconds after full thrust had been applied. The crew had, without identifying that they had not selected, the crew had, without identifying that they had not selected intersection echo for their takeoff computations, computed the takeoff performance for a full-length takeoff. Takeoff from intersection uh, Echo leaves uh, takeoff distance available of 2140 meters and uh, takeoff, um, oh, what is that? Runway available of 1900 meters. Takeoff Uh-oh. run available. Yeah. yeah, that's, oh, the math's not working here. Uh, <laughs> 2140 is what they need and the available runway is 1900. The full length of the runway is 3,700 meters. Mm. That's what the data was based upon. The aircraft thus performed a flex takeoff at 85% N1. The investigation is ongoing. This is not the first time that we've talked about performance calculation errors uh, and near catastrophes on our show. Yeah. Um, So, Captain Nick, um, you have experience with the A330, and I'd like to hear your analysis of this uh, F-up. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, the if <laughs> there's no particularly um, good reason why they should have uh, made a mess of the calculations uh, because, you know, if, if you've got a runway change during taxi out and you've got to do the calculations on the fly as you're trying to maneuver the aircraft across the airport, um, that, that might be a mitigation. But they have no mention of that. So this should have been a bog standard 
set of calculations, uh, and everyone should double check. And in fact, the way we used to run it was uh, when we had our EFBs all sorted, um, we would do completely independent calculations uh, without any reference to each other. And then we'd come together and check the numbers to make sure that we agreed. And the chances of you both uh, making the same error are pretty remote. Um, so, you know, this this really should not happen. However, uh, to err is human. And um, it looks like that they either got a shortcut, didn't perhaps do their procedures exactly correctly, and managed to introduce an error that could have been a very serious problem for them. Luckily, it wasn't. Uh, but, uh, yeah, we, we have seen too many of these. And it, it comes down to uh, discipline on the flight deck, as far as I'm concerned, anyway, discipline on the flight deck and following the correct procedures, even if you've done them a million times, you still do them, and you do them carefully. And th these are safety-critical calculations, so you don't mess about with them. You don't give them lip service. You do them properly. Make sure you've got the right numbers in the box. Um, and that's what it comes down to. It, it, sometimes it's a tedious job but it is vitally important that you don't make a mistake. Now, I will say that th this was a, a major error on the entire crew's uh, – you can blame the entire crew for this. But at least once the error was noticed that you know something wasn't going right, at least the action of the captain advancing to full thrust uh, was at that, at that point a good decision and – it, and, it, I mean, and it the, had a great, a good one. outcome. Yeah, that's probably the only the only good decision. <laughs> but it's at least they didn't, you know, the like just freeze. And I mean, we we've seen a lot of these instances where even if they they knew that there was something wrong, but they didn't do anything to to help themselves, like push the yeah. power up or whatever. So at least the reaction yeah. was was a good one. I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I, you know, I agree, Jeff. Yeah. For me, the number one thing, and I've, and I've spoken about this before, um, I'm not one to. Uh, accept intersection takeoffs ever. I don't. Why leave perfectly good runway behind you? Uh, I just. In fact, it happened to me in Taiwan the other day in, in Taipei. Um, it's just maybe 300 meters of runway, and I actually had the numbers for the inter. For I think it was a November one, November two off runway two three right there. I had the numbers for November two, anticipating an intersection takeoff in case something you know happened but we took off and requested uh november one so i had the numbers for for the intersection but i used the full the, the full runway i i just i just don't like intersection takeoffs i just me um and so uh but by not accept uh, accepting them i usually you know uh, take care of that um on the other point that Captain Nick mentioned there, that's really interesting. I, I've never actually heard um that way of dealing the numbers where you have uh, independent um um uh, crew members do their own thing and then kind of come together and compare. Uh, I guess that 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 depends also on uh, the the method that you use to figure these these numbers out. Um, that used to be the case on on the triple seven. We had a, a an EFB. Um, FO had his on the right. Obviously, Captain had his on the left. It was uh, it was uh, and the name of the program itself was the OPT, the onboard performance tool, and you would uh, input all the data there: runway, weight, flap setting, wind. Q and H temperature, all that other stuff, and then the computer would spit out uh, the numbers, and you could load them directly from the OPT to the uh, FMC um, 
and uh, have them displayed on your primary flight display. Uh, what what I use now, which is I think what uh, Captain Jeff uses, I'm not sure. I guess he'll correct me if if it's not the case. Uh, we use a a um, um, system called Aerodata, which uh, works off of uh, ACARS, your aircraft addressing and reporting system, and it's basically the same thing. You call up. Uh, the runway and um, the input winds and, and CG and all other stuff in there, and it spits out the numbers. The cool thing about the Zero Data is that it is, and if things work fine, this works like a charm. Um, if, say, for example, a runway is noted closed and you are operating during the window in which that runway is closed, when you call up the runways uh, for your selection process, uh, that runway will not appear. Um, and so that kind of you know takes that uh, that uh, runway away uh, from the from the equation, and that's one more level of uh, of safety there. Um, but interesting the way that uh, Captain Nick uh, did it with his uh, FOs. I find that very very good. You know, just compare and and see uh, yeah see what each one of you has. Uh, I Hall Boxes has a question for uh, Camacho Man. Uh, how's that done on the C forty seven? Still with paper charts? Yep. It is still with paper charts, just like when you're flying a 152. <laughs> Captain Nick is miming the, uh, I don't know what that was, the instrumentless pilot. That was wetting your finger. And yeah, to see what direction, though. Yeah, yeah. yeah, wind's blowing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nope, it's, yeah, like I said, it's, it's just, like a, just like a Cessna or a Bonanza. You just got, there's just a lot more. Information. There's more charts to look at, right? We've got um, all sorts of performance charts for the engines um, that I don't have on a smaller airplane. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's about it. And the cool thing about those those charts, I'm going to say, Nick, is that that they are so conservative as far as as far as the the numbers. They're so padded. Yep. And so you know, if 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 you follow those charts, then you're 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 usually in the clear. Now, I'm sorry, yep. you're going to say. I was just going to ask you a question, uh, Rick. Uh, you know, I am a mostly single engine pilot, so I'm also mm. a big fan of not leaving any runway behind because there is never a point where you could have an engine failure and not be like, man, I wish I had an extra 500 feet of runway here. You know what it is um, for me? It's, it's, I, I just picture myself in the, in the, in the hearing at, you know, after, yes. after the, after the fact, yeah. it's like the hell, what, what were you thinking? Why didn't you use the whole runway? Yes, captain. Was uh, it notes? Yeah. <laughs> what, what, what was wrong with using the entire runway? Uh, you exactly. saved five minutes. Was it worth it now in your, in your estimation? And you know what? My, my, my mentor, um, the first time I upgraded, he, he, and this is, I'll never forget. He told me when you put the fourth stripe on, always think like a lawyer. You know, just ask yourself those questions, uh, because at the end of the day, that's what it is. You know, you have to explain yourself. You have to explain why you'd made a certain decision when there was clearly a better one to be made. How do yeah. you justify I, that? I think we can forgive the crew this time because there was work in progress on the mm-hmm. bit of the runway that went to the full length. So they, right. they didn't have a choice to use a full length. Well, no. exactly. Yeah. To use exactly. Echo. Yeah. Right, um, but, uh, but I was—I wish Frank was here because I was going to ask him if the 350 is clever enough to know uh, when they actually line up, take off, that they've used a, a starting point on the runway that was different from their performance hmm. calculation. Hang on, let me see if he's. 
Yeah. Hey, Frank, can you, you still give here? him a ring? <laughs> Hello? Can you give him a ring? Yeah, he's, he's probably trying to take a little nap. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry to bother you, but we have a question. Yeah. <laughs> we need because that's the sort of thing that you actually need to double check all this stuff. It's a well, bit like I, the landing distance uh, shout outs that you, you can get when you've got too much energy for the amount of runway left. <laughs> Uh, that uh, some aircraft uh, are capable of shouting out that uh, you've got to go around because you've landed too deep. This sort of thing. If they were well, the three hundred and fifty has a has a BTV right, and the brake to vacate. And, yeah, and that, it does. And so, so that, I, that's, that, that's no. one end of the uh, scale. You do, we need something similar for takeoff. Yeah. So and, if uh, someone who, who's uh, current on the 350 could uh, write in and let us know if that is a system and how it works, I'd appreciate it. Yeah. So, hey, Jim, uh, Jim Mercado is uh, with us in the uh, live audience, and I just uh, asked if you wanted to come on with us to uh, talk about the uh, the new Oshkosh, uh, APG Oshkosh shirt design, and uh, we'll see. But even if he doesn't want to come on, um, we can talk about it and, uh, we're going to do that. Tell in... everybody who Jim is. They might oh, Jim Mercado is the, uh, gentleman, uh, the professional graphic design and marketing guy. Um, he wants to come on. Okay. He does want to. Okay. Uh, that, uh, designed the APG logo and, um, he, um, also, well, hang on. We'll talk about that in a second. I need to focus now on how I get him to join us on StreamYard. Dun, dun. Let's see. I go to StreamYard. I told him to stand by. Standing by. Standing by. Uh, invite guests to the broadcast studio. Okay. I'm going to copy this to the clipboard. I'm not going to put this in the uh, live audience chat because we're going to have a lot of people joining us and no, no hard feelings, but, uh, <laughs> I just want Jim to join us right now. So let me, yeah, uh, I-Hall boxes says there is a function on. Okay. The it looks like oh. I whole boxes, uh, who is uh, quite an amazing font of knowledge for a trash holder. Um, <laughs> Gosh. Says wow. he's managed to Google, uh, and f- says that there is a takeoff monitoring function. That's great. Well, how about that? Hey, Jim, I'm going to send an email to you with the link to join us. Uh, stream yard. Yeah, I, m- I imagine it works with the, uh, It, I guess it compares the position, the, the, the lat long of the threshold for the specific runway compares that to the lat long of the aircraft, GPS position of the aircraft, and... Um, I guess works out for that because I know that's the system they use. Um, Foqua they use, and you know I'm not cursing anybody. Uh, that's the system that Foqua <laughs> uses to. Um, to Where what the Foqua are we? Anytime <laughs> I think about Foqua, I want to curse out some people. <laughs> that's the that's the basis that 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 uh, Foqua uses to uh, gather whether there was a deep landing or not, or you know, where we, if, if you touch yeah. down uh, outside of the uh, um, flight uh, operations quality assurance. Ah. Yeah, folk well. I should know that. Wow. Looking for that email address. Wow. Yeah. So is it, are you inputting the runway data and then it's just bouncing your location against it or is it smart enough to No, say, it's, 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 it's in, it's in the database. It's uh okay. it's, it's a lat long database. Um, and it, in fact, um, that's how the, um, there's, um, 
and obviously I'm just talking Bowen because it's really all I know. Um, there's another system which the name of it escapes me at the moment. But basically, it tells the, uh, the the runway that you're entering as you are taxiing on. So it'll tell you on runway to oh, yes. eight center, uh, for example, and it'll it knows that you are there because it's comparing your GPS lat long versus the GPS lat long of the runway that's contained in the database. Okay. Uh, that's kind of how that works. We're we're bringing on uh, Airbus uh, A three hundred and fifty expert uh, Jim Mercado from uh, the west coast of California. Oh wait a minute, you don't know the answer to this? Okay, boot him no, out of here. I could probably design one, but not fly one. <laughs> okay. Hey Jim, uh, as I, I was mentioning, uh, he is like the uh, the the creative graphic uh, logo genius, genius for. The uh, APG, and he designed the Fly Acme uh, logo that so many of you uh, proudly wear on your T-shirts. Oh, look, that right there. Thank you, Liz. And um, he also jo- uh, designed the uh, the what what do we call it? The Oshbash um, or Osh mm-hmm. Osh Blast, I think. Osh Blast. Uh, in 2019, when we had our um, big meetup there uh, in Oshkosh. And, um, and the Farnborough, the Farnborough, and the Farnborough flying beer bottle. Oh yeah, the oh, flying the beer bottle. That's right. <laughs> a lot of different designs. And then of course our the latest, not the latest, but the almost latest, the five um, hundredth episode uh, label for the uh, pint, the beer glasses. Oh, yeah. And uh, and I guess we also have some uh, some t shirts uh, with that logo available as well. So anyway, when I decided that I was going for sure to Oshkosh this year. I, I knew it was last minute. I said, I know it's very short notice, Jim, uh, but could you maybe, and, and he yeah, was in you. Hawaii when, when I contacted him. Um, <laughs> and I said, hey, do you think that, you know, we could come up with some simple design, you know, because I'm going to be going to Oshkosh and I'd like to print up some shirts and I'm going to be giving out uh, some of these shirts while I'm there. Uh, I have a limited number of them and I'm just going to give them out. They're free. Uh, but we do have the uh, design available on uh, men's or unisex, I guess, and uh, women's uh, t-shirts on the uh, Teespring store on the uh, uh, APG store on the website. So uh, Jim, uh, as he normally does, he's very, this is what do you do for a living, right, Jim? Creative uh, Spark? Yes. Yeah, that's right. Yes. Creative Octane is my company. Creative Octane, I'm sorry. Yeah, do uh, you know brand discovery and brand messaging and then brand logos and um, you know website development and all kinds of great stuff to help marketing uh, groups and companies get noticed. But I'm a private pilot, thousand hour instrument rated private pilot. I grew up at Boeing uh, in Seattle, so I'm a huge fan and of aviation. And I think I was uh, Jeff. I was trying to remember. I think I joined about episode forty or so. So yeah, very early. Uh, the APG syndrome is uh, definitely running. Yeah, but he I'm didn't have. Happy. It didn't take long for him to, you know, catch up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I didn't have too long to catch up with mm-hmm. only forty episodes or so. Right. But anyway, I always love um, you know what you guys do and being part of the the community. And anytime I can you know contribute in any way possible to you know make a commemorative shirt or anything that we can all join together at an event i'm i'm all in i'm all for it so i always love helping you cast out Shall I put it up? Yeah. So let's let's see what uh, Jim came up with. Wow, look at that. That's such a beautiful design. And this Ooh. is Jim, uh, he's so so awesome because he, this is his profession and uh and I mentioned something just to slap up something simple, you know, and then I'll just have some transfers made and have some shirts 
produced. And, and so he always like treats me like I'm a fortune 500, um, CEO and the presentation and many of the, uh, hosts here have, have, uh, been included in these kind of presentations that Jim does. And it's so, and I know we know his, uh, his routine now he'll just, he'll throw something up. The first thing that design that he comes up with. And I always go, Oh, that's it. That's great. That's well, let's go with that. And he goes, Oh, wait a minute. Let's, let's talk about this and that. And, that. and then he goes through this whole evolution, this whole process of design. And then, uh, this is the, the final, um, Love evolution the 50%. of the, yeah. Liz, Liz is saying that she loves the, uh, 50% on the tail. <laughs> Perfect. Um, anyway, Love it. uh, yeah, it's kind of a retro, uh, poster, uh, look of a <laughs> tail of, uh, of, uh, of jet um yeah definitely inspired by you know the classic travel posters and the airline industry and you know i i'm a big fan of that and, and jeff and the um you know the acme airlines logo is kind of a, a nod to uh, the past in aviation but it's been modernized and so yeah this is just a generic uh jet tail uh you know brought in for the oshkosh and you know the 50 percent accuracy is the name of our our plane here but this is kind of the first time i I was excited about this because it's kind of the first time we're seeing the actual fly acne airlines logo on an aircraft we've never really shown that before in this classic airline style so um, i'm pleased with the way this came out and you know my test is always would i like to wear one and so i was kind of excited by this Absolutely. So they, um, those are pictures of the shirts that we have available on the, uh, APG store. If you want to order them, I believe you said, Jim, that you contacted them. They said that they order by the 11th, I think that they can get them in time for Oshkosh if they're going to be attending. Yeah. So right from airline, uh, com, uh, there's a link to the APG Teespring store and you can follow that link and see all the merchandise in there. And you'll notice there are these shirts, both men and women. It's a couple of different colors in there. And, um, yeah, last I looked a few days ago, if we ordered now, as in today or tomorrow, pretty quick, mm-hmm. uh, we'll get them in time for Oshkosh. And, of course, the great thing about Teespring is you just give me your credit card. You can buy one shirt or 50 or whatever you want, and then they ship it directly to you. Um, we also added a, a sticker in there, which is kind of cool for the um, – uh, fly acne airlines because again i thought it would be kind of cool to have one on my bag you know and proudly show that around so that's kind of a new thing as well cool very nice excellent um yeah i haul boxes uh smart alec he goes is the show going to be out by the 11th jeff <laughs> probably not no i don't know i'll make every effort to get it out before the 11th but as i said if you're going to oshkosh uh, hit me up. Uh, should have uh, a few uh, shirts in a couple different sizes, uh, both women and um, men's uh, T-shirts with uh, some transfers that I had ordered myself. I'll actually be printing. Uh, Nick, Captain Nick, is very familiar with the, uh, the piece the of equipment process, yes. that uh, I'll be using to uh, very make sophisticated. Yes, very sophisticated. Let's not go into a lot of detail. Um, <laughs> but it's a very dangerous thing because it gets really hot. Craig just ordered his. Um, oh, look Damn, at that. Craig huh? already well, already ordered one. Thank you, Craig. Um, but uh, anyway, uh, and, and the only difference in the, the shirts that I'm going to be bringing with me to Oshkosh and the shirt that uh, you just saw displayed uh, here on the show uh, is that it, the print is a, just a slightly smaller um, than I'm, that I'll be doing with the, with the heat press. But uh, 
But anyway. of course, and, and those are handmade by Jeff. So those have yeah, even more value. Incredible, incredible. A lot of cachet. Those are collector's items. Sign them? Yeah, I'll have to bring a, uh, a Sharpie with me and sign them. Yep, you will. <laughs> yes, I'd like mine signed, please, Jeff. Okay. So they got uh, a car um, like a sign as well. Um, <laughs> by the way, I, I'm I'm a bit of a fan of aircraft bottoms, butts, mm. or whatever. And that looks like a Boeing butt to me. Mm. That's that a 707. Right? It looks like a 707. The the vertical stabilizer is more like a DC-8, but the but the, the, the very back of it, it reminds me of a 707. At least reminds me of uh, I thought it looked a bit 747-ish. It does have a yeah, 747-ish look to it. I can see that as well. Come on, Jim. Reveal this all. Is, what airplane is that? This is just the best, you know, when the design side meets the aviation nerd engineering side, <laughs> where my side says, you know, it doesn't really quite matter. It's just kind of a cool airplane kind of thing. It matters to us, Jim. But I know it matters <laughs> with my pilot side. So it's, it's based on a, yes, a 707, but it's been modified and simplified a bit, you know, for the graphic purposes here, so. Yeah, you're mm. missing the HF aerial out of the top of the fin. <laughs> That's right. And, That's and the right. Q-spring. Uh, right. Well, actually, I guess you wouldn't be able to see it because of the stabilizer there. But it, I love it. It's just, uh, you know, it just, just harkens back to those uh, to those Pan Am days, I guess, on the colors. And it's just, I, I love it. It's amazing. Just, wow. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Christmas cool. presents. Christmas presents. Oh, and should we mention, Jim, that um, maybe we should hold off on that, uh, the other design that's kind of similar to this one? Hmm. Well, now that you've teed that up. Oh, yeah, go ahead. So, yeah, uh, you know, we like this idea and this design. And so, you know, I thought it would be very cool to have this beyond Osh. You know, of course, it's great for Oshkosh, but I would like to kind of have this to wear around all the time and have it say APG on it. So there's another version of this that has not been seen yet, but uh, it will be for all around purposes uh, that we can wear year round. It'll take out the osh and replace that with the airline pilot guy show or apg so yeah. excellent that. yeah yeah i thought the it would be fair to, identifier yeah i would uh i thought it would be fair to mention that because uh you know a lot of people you know may not be going to osh and really don't want any osh kosh merchandise and so yeah we'll have that available after after osh says he knows what it is Oh, he knows what it is. It's a Boeing 707 McDog bus, Max. <laughs> Nailed it. Where's my Where's my bell? Hang on. Uh, I, oh, the darn screen went blank again. Darn it. Okay. Uh-oh. What are you, flying a Max? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good point. Yeah. Yeah, just look Max out the window and land on the darn runway. Um, exactly. Uh, well, so I, I think I think it's it's always challenging from a design because we could just do hundreds of different aircraft and you know pick our favorite, which is also an idea you know for future designs. But mm-hmm. yeah, it's just coming up with just um, you know the essence of a classic era of airlines. So that's what this represents. Yeah, I love it. Love it. Uh, I love, love it. I think it. all of us love the old aviation posters and have that you know kind of retro kind of feel to it. I love it. Um, so Jim, you wants one on Nick wants one on a balloon. Nick wants one on a balloon, according to Liz. Um, can you? <laughs> make, like, a, that must be Nick Cavacha, yeah. <laughs> no, I, I don't. I don't do balloons. Oh no, I think she's talking well, about Captain I, Nick. Nick. <laughs> so I don't know which Nick we're referring to. We're talking about you, man, because you love balloons. <laughs> I'm so surprised you haven't become a balloonist uh, or a balloonatic. A balloonatic, yeah, <laughs> in your yeah. in your retirement. Um, 
Anyway, um, hey, Jim, I know it was like a very short notice, um, notice to you in the uh, live audience. Uh, you're more than welcome to hang around if you want or if you have things to do, uh, completely get that as well. So, you know, your choice. If you uh, if you want to stick around, uh, you're more than welcome to. Sure, as long as I'm here, I always like might to. Might as well. Uh, might as well Love join it. in. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's see. So, Liz, where were we? Oh, we're still in 1D. the news uh, segment. 1D is uh, what she's telling me. So let me uh, cue that up. And uh, here we go. Okay. Um, this is also from the Aviation Herald. Uh, South African Airways Airbus A33300 registrations uh, Zulu Sierra Sierra X-Ray Mike performing flight 9053 from Accra or Accra. How do you say that? Accra? Okay, uh, Ghana to uh, Johannesburg, South Africa, with 184 passengers and 25 crew, uh, four flight crew, 20 flight attendants. Wow, that's a lot of flight attendants, and one technician for a 330-300. Nick, does that sound like Captain? Nick? Uh, it sounds like they were uh, had a second crew. Ah. They probably uh, did a straight turnaround, and uh, one crew sat down, the other crew got up and operated ah. the home flight. Okay. Uh, I think maybe that was a technician on board as well. Yeah. 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 And maybe just because they don't like overnighting at a crowd, I don't know. Uh, uh, they were en route at flight level 410, about 150 nautical miles north, northwest of Gaborone, Botswana. Gaborone, yeah. Uh, at about 310 nautical miles northwest of Johannesburg when the crew reported both engines, Trent 772s, were surging. And requested a descent to flight level 190, which was approved. Yeah, it's no good when one does it, but when they all of them do it, it's no good. Yeah. Uh, the aircraft descended to flight level 190, continued to Johannesburg, but experienced further surges on both engines, even during final approach to Johannesburg's runway 21 right. The aircraft landed safely on 21 right about 50 minutes later. The flight, originally SA-53, had been scheduled for April 14th. However, during fuel uplift at Accra, the... Fuel had been contaminated with high quantities of water, which was noticed when the engines would not start after pushback. Well, that'd be a big clue. <laughs> uh, the flight was then pulled back onto the stand. Uh, the if water only they could run on water, it would make life so much simpler. <laughs> it would. It? it really would. A lot less expensive. Uh, the water was subsequently drained, and the aircraft flew to Johannesburg the following day, encountering surges of both engines. Following the flight, the aircraft remained on the ground in Johannesburg until May 18th, 2022. Let's see. Well, this happened April 15th, so a little bit more than a month. After landing, still significant contamination with water was found in the remaining fuel, fuel systems, and engines. All fuel pumps needed to be replaced. South Africa's CAA reported the occurrence was rated a serious incident. Yeah, and it's being investigated by Ghana's AIB. At this time, June 28th, no preliminary investigation report is yet available. Hmm. Wow. That'll get your attention. It would. No, absolutely. Looking at, uh, so what, 310 miles. So that's, what, eight miles a minute. That's uh, about, about 40 minutes out or so. So 10 prior to top of D. Because top of D is top of descent, you'd be being a descent about a half hour out. So it's a good thing that it was towards the tail end of things, and you were at forty one thousand feet. Um, I yeah, just you start you start hearing both engines, um, you know, start coughing up, and um, yeah, I don't I don't know what I would. I started looking for a place to put the damn thing down as quickly as possible because uh, you, you're just not guaranteed at that point that the engines are going to start are going to you know stay on. 
Um, thankfully, uh, we know of another uh, 3:30 that did quite a bit of um, quite a quite a bit of flying uh, without engine power when it landed mm-hmm. in the Azores. Um, and so um, th- these these things do you know they do glide uh, quite a bit. They're not gliders, but they do glide. But um, it helps if but, the captain is uh, a glider pilot. It it certainly does. It helps even more if there's no water in the damn fuel. True. But, um, yeah, not, absolutely. Uh, case in this case, yeah. Yeah, th- this is uh, a real worry because having realized there's a problem and you've got your own engineer there to uh, make sure the aircraft is, is fine, um, to miss the fact that uh, there's a significant amount of water left in the fuel when you think you've drained it all out is a worry. Uh, I don't know whether he uh, did a you know, got in touch with Airbus and followed their procedure or whether he did something that, uh, you know, just drained the tanks yeah. as, until the water stopped coming out. But You just use one of those things water. like on a, the 150, right? You just like stick it up there. And- <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I think you're probably exactly right. That <laughs> oh, is ex- more or less exactly what it is. Yeah. But uh, how the hell um, a car thought they could, uh, you know, start pumping gas with such a high – it's supposed to be checked – uh, at the uh, the pump pumping point by you know there's uh, 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 a system that the refuelers use to to check the, the visually check the uh, fuel before it's they start pumping uh, but uh, you know you don't know at some of these places that all the normal procedures you'd expect yeah. elsewhere are being done uh, I mean do you remember that story of the 330 going into Hong Kong that had Again, a fuel contamination problem, uh, but it was actually um, a, a strange sort of hydroscopic particle that uh, was part of the um, fuel contamination detection system that had uh, got into the fuel system and uh, blocked the uh, engines, and um, they very nearly ditched. They just managed to get the aircraft uh, in. That's, this is... And, and it's no point saying this is a two-engine aircraft problem because, of course, if your fuel's contaminated <laughs> and you've got four engines, it won't make any difference. Then all stop. Um, but yeah, this this is uh, you know something that you just need to be so careful about because you know it's you're not going to get from A to B if you let your fuel get contaminated. And I tell you, every every time I flew out of you know the, the African. Backcountry somewhere. This is something that was in the back of my mind. I was like, I wonder if this fuel is good. And uh, yeah, you know, all, yeah. all all the times, all the times I flew out of there, it was you know, thankfully every, everything was fine. But you know, there the, the, that one time, like these blokes over here, um, yeah, good. You know, thank thank goodness they were able to put it on the ground. And, we uh, we and mentioned this, you know, so many times on the show that uh, there is a certain level of trust that we have in our systems Huge. and our fellow humans that are overseeing uh, so many things that relate to uh, flight safety. And uh, sometimes uh, the system breaks down or humans let us down. Oh, yeah. Yep. Sadly. Should I mention, Liz, the um, Simon, I, I think, thought it was significant enough to include um, a link to another incident that this same captain was involved in, uh, a vaccine flight that occurred on February 25th, 2021. Um, and uh, the, it was out of uh, Johannesburg and it involved an A340-600. And uh, they had an alpha floor activation on departure. Uh, now, in this case, I'm not so sure that, you know, 
just because it was the same captain in this fuel contamination thing uh, and the alpha floor activation thing. Uh, again, I don't recall exactly the details on that, but I think that was more of a uh, more of a pilot error. And in this case, I think the fuel contamination uh, was not related to the flight crew. Um, so I'm not sure if it's fair to, to kind of connect the no, two. No, I, 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 this is an unrelated incident. And uh, actually, um, you know, Alpha 4 protection uh, is there and it did its job. Um, it, departures out of Johannesburg uh, were notorious in our airline uh, for incorrect flat retractions um, because um, it <laughs> there are a few gotchas involved in uh, getting airborne out of Joburg, and quite often we would do a, a non-standard flap setting to get the aircraft off at the right weight because um, our standard flap setting sometimes uh, had a gave us a weight limitation. We could relieve some of it by using less flap, and the problem was that uh, you know as we accelerated the aircraft, uh, having got airborne it accelerates much close, cl slower because of the uh, airfield elevation. The engines are, are working already. They're already 5,000 feet in the air, and they're not quite as efficient. It takes a lot longer. Things happen a lot slower um, getting everyone out of Joburg. And you're used to a certain cadence of when to do stuff. Uh, and if you've only got one flat retraction, uh, but you're used to, gear up and then very quickly after going one stage of flap up um, crews were falling into the error of making early flap retractions um, instead of sitting and waiting and it took forever for the flap you'd get to the correct speed to uh, raise that last stage of flap the actual flap used for takeoff mm -hmm. uh, and uh, we had a few guys who pulled all the flap up way early Sometimes they put it back out again when they realize their mistake. Sometimes they staggered along an alpha floor. Just for those people who yeah. don't know what alpha floor is, uh, if you get the angle of attack on, the, on a, an Airbus too high, uh, the engines will automatically go to full power to try and protect you from stalling. Um, and uh, it's... You know, it's called alpha floor, and uh, uh, it would basically you it won't make a lot of difference out of Joe because pretty much you use full power anyway. So uh, you know, you just got to hang talk, on in we're there. Talking to, we're talking to three forty three hundred, right? <laughs> yes, I think so. so yeah. Um, so uh, all you know, it just it takes an age to accelerate out of it mm -hmm. um, and get the aircraft uh, safely above stalling speed. But um, I, I have a feeling that that won't be. But so I'm not surprised that this guy has a uh, has, did it because a lot of our crews did it. I mean, enough mm -hmm. for it to become a thing, you know. Now it's it's very helpful in the, in, in these new aircraft um, uh, on the, on your primary flight display or or EADI on the older seven fives and seven sixes that still fly around. Um, the ones that are equipped with a speed tape, you have a. Um, on on the on the airspeed indicator, you have a little trend arrow that gets longer or shorter depending on the acceleration that you have, and that it's called the trend vector. That gives you uh, what your projected airspeed is going to be in the next uh, ten seconds. And so the idea is to obviously have a positive trend of speed and get to um, the next uh, stage of flap retraction 
when the little and, and I'm talking Boeing again, when the little carrot on your airspeed indicator tells you to do so. And so, for example, on the 747 out of out of Quito would take off, you know, very, very close to max takeoff way out of there and it'd be a flap 20 takeoff. And so you would keep the flaps at 20 until the trend vector went past the little 10 mark once it got to 10 you'd go to flaps 10 and then when it got to five you go to flap five and then the one and then up uh and that's very critical from one to up it's very critical that you pay attention to what you're doing and that you have the proper uh, acceleration energy because when you go from one to up your trailing edge uh is all retracted all you have hanging um is the leading edges and that is where it gets really critical there uh and it's 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 really cool because you look at you look at your your primary flight display and you have uh a set of um little amber lines that look like a little mustache and it's called a pitch limit indicator okay, the pli and as you are getting to a point where your angle of attack is getting to a critical point, that PLI will come down to the center of the screen. And if Could the center aircraft symbol yeah, coincides or touches the yeah, PLI, that's the point now. of activation of the stick no, shaker. Would, and so ideally, you yeah. want to keep those two separated, right? And so by, by giving yourself um, plenty of time, keeping in mind, as Captain Nick was saying, uh, density, altitude, and temperature, hot and high airports are 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 very tricky sometimes. It's all you have to do really is, is, is keep your your trend vector indication on there and uh, clean up the aircraft on schedule when the PFD tells you to do it. So it's you know all these systems are pretty much pilot proof. But then yeah. we'll still find a way to screw it up. Yeah, we, yeah, nothing's pilot proof. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Well, there and you last go. Last news item. Uh, last news item is. An employee of a major U.S. airline took $1 million in kickbacks to divert aircraft parts orders. Uh, Liz put the uh, little uh, thing here. Uh, in this week's installment of aviation-related criminal activity, uh, <laughs> former employee of a major U.S. airline based in Long Island City, New York, JetBlue, was arrested and arraigned on Tuesday on charges of conspiracy to commit wire fraud and money laundering over allegations he accepted more than $1 million in, in bribes to divert aircraft parts orders to two companies whose owners were paying him kickbacks. Kylie Nunez, uh, 37 years old of New Jersey, is alleged to have fraudulently approved more than $10 million in aircraft parts orders on behalf of the airline which has only been identified by prosecutors as Company One. Uh, Nunez's LinkedIn profile claims he worked for Long Island City-based JetBlue Airways for more than 20 years. Hmm. I see he the connection. At 17? Wow. Hmm? Yeah. He started at 17. I guess. Must have been working out there on the ramp or something, huh? As a technical buyer, Nunez was responsible for, or Nunez was responsible for procuring aircraft spare parts from so-called, quote, aftermarket parts sellers. Uh, he would solicit <laughs> quotes from various sellers in order to get the best deal for the airline. Part of the procur procurement process was using the services of trusted and previously used sellers. In 2018, he was accused of requesting that a company called Summit LLC be added to the airline's internal parts ordering system, falsely representing that Summit LLC was the same company as Summit Corp, or corporation, which the airline had used for parts in the past. In fact, Summit Corporation had gone out of business eight years before. Uh, Nunez is accused of authorizing purchase orders worth more than $1.5 million between the airline and Summit LLC. And in return, 
Prosecutors claim Nunez received tens of thousands of dollars in kickbacks from the owners of Summit LLC. Over a number of years, the fraud is alleged to have become bigger and bigger and included a second company. (laughs) Hey, if that's working, I'm making lots of money. Let's uh, start up a second company uh, based in Florida. In the end, the airline may have spent more than $10 million on aircraft spare parts at hugely inflated prices, while Nunez and a co-conspirator received substantial kickbacks. As alleged, the defendants were at the helm of a corrupt scheme to defraud an airline by diverting contracts to vendors in exchange for more than $1 million, according to United States Attorney Breon Peace. Uh, The men behind Summit LLC, Julian Levi, uh, 37 years old, Ivan Santos, 41, have also been arrested and arraigned, while the man behind the Florida-based company, Romanik Sony, is due to be arraigned on Wednesday. Found guilty, the men face a maximum sentence of 20 years in prison. So, yay. Way to go, guys. (laughs) Nicely done. Yes. There you go. Anything else to say about that other than, you know, if you're doing something wrong and illegal, eventually they'll probably Crime catch up with pay. you. Crime, Crime doesn't, doesn't pay. pay. That's We should write that down. Crime, Crime doesn't, doesn't pay. pay. <laughs> All right. It does for a short period of time, apparently. Yeah. And then you get caught. Yeah. Then you get Move caught. It offshore. Yeah. All right. Um, that should do it for the news segment of our show. And that means it's time for me to press the button that no pilot would ever push getting to know us jingle wait no it's okay to push that one i think yeah you're loud okay thank you liz she gave me clearance to push that one uh so this is the segment of the show where we um talk about what everybody's been up to between shows or between the last time they were on the show or in this case for jim uh this is the the first time he's ever (laughs) he's been on the show so, um, so this is going to take a while. Yeah, yeah, it's going to take a while. Right. In the beginning. <laughs> Wait a minute. Let's keep it like a, an abbreviated version of uh, – you kind of t- told us a little bit about yourself. Um, not, not a lot, uh, but this is your your business marketing. How would you describe what you uh, do for a living, Jim? You mentioned you were a pilot. Of course, that's the most important thing, actually probably right. being a um, – being a uh, family uh, person, um, you know, that's probably more important even than being a pilot. I don't know. Some true, people would say. True. Yeah. True that. Yeah. So tell us. Tell us about you. Yeah. So really two passions in uh, life as it's developed so far. One of them is flying. And that comes from growing up in Seattle. My father worked for Boeing. And I have these great memories of going to the Boeing factory on the weekends when it was closed because they were not working, you know, on the weekends at that time. And in Renton, the line of, I probably shouldn't say this, but the line of 727s, you know, from at the beginning, hardly put together. And at the end, they were mostly put together. And as a kid, I, I got to go there and just crawl through those aircraft. Nobody was well, around. And high tequila thing. bottles in the uh, airframe. Yeah, yeah. Tequila <laughs> bottles, yeah. I didn't. It worked for me. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't put them there. That was more um, recent, uh, Captain Nick. Uh, yeah. I don't think it was oh, back okay, when Jim okay. was doing sorry, it. Sorry, Jim. Didn't mean to <laughs> cast dispersions. But I always say, you know, I mean, you know, obviously what we have in common is we love flying, right? And mm-hmm. you occasionally meet somebody that doesn't like to fly. But if you if you love flying, it's just a question of how much do you have in your blood, you know? And obviously, I think everybody on this show and Associated probably has a lot in the, their blood. And I certainly have a lot. So... 
pursued that, and I am a private pilot, instrument rated, uh, you know, fly a Cirrus. And uh, I, so, so the other side is design and, and marketing and branding. And um, I love helping companies get uh, more customers. Uh, and at the end of the day, doing some great work. And when they call me up and they say, yay, you know, fantastic. Thanks for your help. You know, we got more market share, more customers. And in my career, I have worked in aviation. Um, I actually have an airline client right now uh, that I'm working with and also technology. So I'm always interested in, in finding out about what companies do and what people do and using my talent in creativity on how to help them. So traditionally, we would say we're a branding agency, a branding advertising agency, and we help companies you know, grow with their messaging, their websites, uh, logos, you know, trade show efforts, whatever it might be. So, And you're in Northern California? I'm in the uh, San Francisco Bay Area, Northern California, and that's how I met you, Jeff. Is mm-hmm. you know you announced one time you're flying to San Jose, and we we had a meet up there, yep. and that was that was a great evening. And yeah, um, yeah, I've had the chance to meet you know several of you at Oshkosh and other places, and um, so love uh, contributing any way that I Tim can. Tim Van Ram wants you to go back west, Jeff. Okay, Tim, uh, deal. I need to get back out to to the West Coast and uh, do another. APG NorCal meetup um, for sure. Um, yeah, let's let's yeah, figure absolutely. out how to do that. I remember Nick, uh, you were out, uh, you know, with your crew, uh, you know, having some beers when we met up in San Francisco, and that was great. You know, to meet you in person, and I think all the meetups are great. So always yeah. one of my favorite destinations, Jim. I loved uh, San Francisco. Yeah, yeah. Good, good catch there, Nick. He yeah, was yeah, just about yeah. to say San Francisco. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> yeah. Um, excellent. Uh, well, as I said, uh, so pleased that you're part of our crew and, uh, you know, it's uh, the designs and stuff are just awesome. So, um, anyway, uh, excellent. So, um, I guess unless you have anything else to add, uh, we can move on to the next contestant on Miami the Rick. Price is Right, uh, Miami Rick. Uh, you haven't been with us uh, for a while, and uh, we need to get caught up. What have you been up to? Yeah, it's been a little, it's been a minute. Um, so, you know, a lot of flying as usual. Um, switched back over to uh, Cincinnati base uh, for a little while there. Um, you know, even flying a while, the time can get a little tiring every once in a while. And so, um, there's a bit more variety in the lines out of Cincinnati. So, uh, you know, just, um, you, you know, enjoying that little bit of variety. Um, got um, on one of my trips was about a month or so ago. My, my trip ended in Miami. And um, a lot of us, uh, both captains and FOs, uh, would keep getting uh, displaced off of certain flights because they are uh, they were being operated by um, – by uh, obviously 767s, but these are 767s equipped with a new uh, uh, cockpit that we have at uh, the large, large display system, LDS, which um, replaces the old um, steam gauges and uh, CRTs on the old 76s with very new, fancy, big screens, a la 787. Um, same manufacturer, Rockwell Collins, so very, very nice stuff. And so uh, the FA. Uh, requires that we go through a um, 
basically a sim ride uh, just to talk about the differences and how this and, and just to get you know play around with the panel and see how the different functions work and all that and with different presentations uh, because a lot of uh, you know a lot of pilots uh, that fly the 76 they've never flown the 74 or any other Boeing for that matter and so I can see how it's it, it can be something new and so well you know you do a couple of bounces in the in the pattern in the box there and then um, you need uh, after you're signed off in the in the simulator um, you have to go and do two sectors one as PF and one one as PM and then you get signed off on the aircraft so you know did that over the last uh, actually got my sign off well, about two weeks ago finally did my sign off there so I'm, I'm I'm good to fly those jets which I was I was talking to the to uh, to the guys here on the uh, on the on the panel before we started. Uh, it's kind of good because that's, that's going to keep me away from doing any Asia flying, which I just came back from doing, um, uh, about two days ago and man, oh man, it's, um, <laughs> it was, uh, I, I, I now remember why I left the seven four. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard work getting to the other side of the world and then acclimating to that and then doing that, that doing that flying that what we, what I did back there, uh, down, down in uh, South Korea was, um, we do what's called, um, uh, rice runs, and this is for DHL, their customer. And what we do is we do flights between uh, Incheon, South Korea, to uh, Taipei and Taiwan, over to Nagoya, Japan, and then back to Incheon. And that's all done in in one night. So it's three short sectors, but it's a very long night. Um, you leave about uh, you I mean your wheels your wheels up at about five thirty in the evening, and you don't come back until four in the morning the next morning. And so you have a day off there uh, in Incheon. And then you do it all over again. So I did three of those, and then on top of that, you have to you know make it back on 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 a company aircraft to uh, back to the U.S. Um, so I did that. That was that was interesting. It was nice to go back down there. I hadn't been in Asia or um, yeah, in that side of the world for about two years pre-COVID, and it was it was interesting going back there and seeing how things had changed a little bit. Uh, uh, Korea is pretty much open uh, back to back to normal. A uh, little bit of uh, mask wearing and, and indoors still. Um, the good thing is that the gym was open, and um, but the breakfast facilities are still separated, and you still have um, you know airline crew and expats in in a different location from every other um, guest in the hotel. Which whatever, um, breakfast is breakfast. Um, and then, uh, what else did I do here? Um, oh, I had, um, a couple of, um, little sunspots that I had to get uh, taken care of, uh, which was, uh, a little, uh, eye opening there. Um, you know, you, you all know, been flying airliners for 20 years now and being up at, uh, up in the flight deck there with those big windows, you have to really be careful with, uh, with the sun. And so, um, taking care of your skin is the only one you got. And so make sure that you're wearing that sunscreen and, 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 and sun protection hats and, and that kind of stuff, because it can get, uh, it can get tricky if you let it. Um, and so just, just be careful with that. And then the last thing I wanted to touch on was, uh, we just, um, adopted a new doggy, um, uh, foster failed once again. And so, uh, um, this one here is in love with Kaya because, uh, we, we, uh, when we, we help out at the, at the dog rescue. And then this doggy here had a, uh, uh, a, a cut paw and he was, he was very hurt. And so, uh, we brought him over to our house because clearly he wasn't getting the care that he needed in, at, at the rescue. 
And so um, he, he certainly, uh, I, I guess, stole our hearts. And so mm-hmm. after a couple of months, we uh, we decided to adopt him. And now we have four in our Such in a our softie. So I'm, I'm <laughs> that, a big softie. I really am. That is really quite am a fact, Rick. And, I tell uh, you. I'm a, but, but we love it. We love it. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's an adventure every day. I tell you, I don't need an alarm anymore because our little Malinois Lucy is up at 545 in the morning, which is great because I get, <laughs> get to go to the gym at 7. And, you know, at, uh, I'm back home by 9. And then the day's uh, just begun. And so that's, uh, that's great. And I tell you, I mean, life, life without... And, and Nick, you're a dog lover as well. I, I, I oh, feel absolutely. like, you know, life without dogs is just, I don't know. It's just not complete, I, I think. And so uh, happy, happy to have Chance with us. And uh, I think that's going to be it for now because uh, we're running out of room here and we have a big remodel coming up. And so uh, four is going to be it for a little while. Excellent. Yeah, good luck with that, though. The remodeling, yeah. that is. I'm sure yeah, the dogs yeah. will be fine. It's going to be good. Excellent. Thanks, Rick. Great to have you back. There's always... There's always a spot when you get a new dog, and we have two dogs. And oh, nice! Uh, you know, one's one's a couple of years older, one's a couple of years younger, and we got the younger one. And you know, you always think, oh yeah, we got an older dog; it's no problem, right? <laughs> and then you get the new dog, and you start to say to yourself, "Wait, hold on, I don't remember this part. <laughs> I don't remember the dog doing that." And of course, it did. You just forgot. So you mm-hmm. gotta ask yourself, "Did we do the right thing here? Did we do it?" <laughs> Is it, it. <laughs> is it too late? Is it too late? Yeah, there, uh, there's something else. The doggies. I just, I just, I love them all. I wish I could take them all in, but that's that's not possible. Is the but, new uh, one, uh, Rick, a uh, German Shepherd? Um, it's a German. This is a pure German Shepherd. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, work in line, so Eastern European. Uh, just stunning dog. Uh, very smart, and um, it's. I've never. I mean, Kai has been working with dogs ever since. I mean, and, and her parents as well were dog trainers and all that. But I've never, I've never uh, worked with dogs very closely up until now. Um, that's very nice to him. He's got three rescues. Um, but I've never seen a dog emote so much and be so communicative. It's just, it's like he can talk. It's, it's amazing. And he's, and he is, and he is. Uh, he knows that that we took him in and that we, and then we, we, we fixed him. We fixed his paw and we gave him a home and he's just so thankful. And he shows it every day. Um, They're, you know, they're, they're like little people. They have their own personalities. They're all, they're just, and all they really want is just love and a, and a, and a place to, a place to live. Um, That's all I home. No, I'm talking about me. I need somebody to adopt me. <laughs> I'm house trained. I really am. Um, all right. Uh, let's see. Who wants to uh, go next? Uh, Nick Camacho, you want to? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, sure. Tell us about what's been yep. happening with you. Um, let's see. I think I missed. I think I missed a week, so it's been a couple yeah. weeks since I've been on. Um, the big, uh, the big threshold that I crossed during that time frame is I passed my first uh, AMP written test, so I'm on track for. Oh yeah, we got to trying to get the applause. Yeah. Congratulations! Yeah, here we go. Yeah, it's fantastic news. Thank you. Um, I think you know when I about a month or two ago when when I was getting ready to go start working on that stuff. I kind of decided that I either needed to get the AMP stuff all done or get my instrument commercial rating all done, but probably avoid trying to do them both 
um, at the same time because I thought I'd kind of overwhelm myself. So I decided to do the A&P stuff first, and so I'm trying to just kind of progress through that as fast as I can and get that uh, done and out of the way so I can start working on the, the flying stuff. So uh, my plan is to uh, try to get the second written taken before I leave for Oshkosh, which would mean I'd probably take it two weeks from today, which feels a little aggressive at this exact point in my life. Um, but we'll see what we can get done there. And so two more uh, written tests and then a day or a day and a half of uh, oral and practicals stuff and then hopefully be done with that. Back in my day, it was only one day. What, what, <laughs> what changed? Oral and practical? Uh, I don't know. No, no, it was a day for oral and day for practical. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, uh, so it hasn't changed, okay. Yeah, yeah, I don't think so. I think it depends on... I think it depends on the examiner, a lot like yeah. uh, flying um, orals and practicals. I, you know, I, when I took my private pilot check ride, I did about a forty-five minute uh, oral exam and then an hour flight test, one point one hours. And then I had a buddy who went out and he did a five-hour private pilot check ride. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and uh, jeez. Yeah, I was a little, I was a little shocked. We didn't just lose him out of the uh, aviation fraternity out of that because it, uh, it kind of fried him. But he got through it. So, does he fly three thirties out of Angola now? Or? <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Just asking. Yeah, um, wow. just kidding. So yeah, that that was a big thing uh, that I got done. Um, I had a bunch of family in town for Fourth of July, and due to the current state of affairs at my folks' house, um, there was a lot more involvement at. Uh, me and my wife's house. So that took up a little more time than it usually did. Um, and then uh, outside of that, just been working on some planning for the C-47, the back half of the C-47 trip, which is going to be moving it to uh, Rock Falls, Illinois, and then to Oshkosh and then uh, taking it home. So looking well, Nick is here. You have to say Dakota. Dakota, yeah, yeah. Uh, that's right. I've learned what a C forty seven is. <laughs> told me. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, so yeah, on that note, I think we talked about it last time I was on, but we uh, we're going to take the airplane to Wings Over Whiteside, which is an air show in Rock Falls, Illinois, like two hours west of um, Chicago by car. Uh, that's the weekend before. Oshkosh starts, so uh, like July 23rd. Um, I think Saturday is the flying day for it. Um, so anybody in that area wants to go see the airplane. It's We haven't I haven't quite got sorted out if I'm meeting the airplane there at Rock Falls or in Oshkosh yet. But the airplane will be there at Rock Falls. And then... Um, no, Rock Falls or Rockford? No, Rock, Rock Falls. Falls. Oh, Rock Falls. Okay, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah. Davenport, yeah. Iowa. Near um, Davenport, I think, Iowa. Okay. And then if you're going uh, yeah. to Rockford, I might, I might see you there, but I guess it's Rock Falls. Oh yeah. Uh, Rockford, Rockford's even closer to Chicago, I think. Yeah, it Isn't is. That, yeah. Just south of Chicago. At wrong uh, Southwest. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, yeah. Then we'll be in Oshkosh for five or six days. Uh, I have still not completed my task for Jeff of trying to get us a alternative venue oh. for, well, you know, we're just going to play it by ABG ear. stuff. You know, I, I still like the idea of, um, doing the show underneath the wing of a, of the of Betsy's B- biscuit bomber. Yeah. But, you know, 
Don't know what the plans are for yeah, that airplane. You need to waterproof your gear, Jeff. It drips. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. I remember uh, uh, being a lineman at a Mobile Air Center. We had uh, two or three DC-3s that we took care of. Yeah, they're, they leak a little bit. <laughs> it's not water. They're just marking their territory. Yeah. <laughs> um, but anyway, we'll, we'll figure it out. No problem. No no stress, Nick. We'll, we'll figure it out. Play it by ear. R- winging yep. a prayer and all that. Captain Nick, how have you been doing? Have you been doing anything in any kind of an athletic pursuit? No, nothing. No. Okay. Um, (laughs) We'll move on. And uh, I'm nothing of aviation related either. Oh, Oh, actually, it's not true. I'm I'm working my way through a book called Nine Lives, uh, the story of a RAF Harrier pilot who I have to interview in a couple of weeks. So I'm reading that book and it turning out to be quite interesting. Um, no, the only thing, uh, and it, uh, the reason I don't say it's, it's uh, I say it's not sporting related is that lawn bowls is not actually a particularly uh, get a up sport. And go sport. Yeah. <laughs> what would you call well, it? I suppose if, if darts can be sport, yeah. a sport uh, and snooker, then why not? But um, yeah, I've, I've done, I've been, uh, comfortably successful in the uh, competitions. Um, you know, we have big counties here, and uh, it, it's a big deal to get uh, through to uh, a final uh, competition in uh, the set of county competitions there are. And uh, I entered one uh, called the Unbadge Singles, where uh, you can uh, enter this competition and earn your county badge by winning it. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I've got through to the uh, final, so that's really nice. Uh, there were uh, six, seven, eight, nine, uh, it's about 12 um, matches you need to play, and it's a knockout, so you need to win all 11 or 12, I'm not exactly sure, um, uh, to get through. So, you know, I've managed to, you know, uh, do much more. Uh, so been much more successful than I have in, in previous years. So uh, if I actually I've discovered that uh, I've earned enough uh, points to be awarded my county badge. So I've got a county badge for Sussex and now I'll have one for Surrey. And, uh, and next season I'm playing in, in my third county in Hampshire because uh, so I'm moving to a different club. In Hartford, Hereford and Hampshire. Uh, yes, there you go. <laughs> Very good. No, I like it. So, uh, yeah. So the final is at the end of the month. So uh, if I if I win that, that'll be nice. It so it turns cut. out that you really do need those stinking badges. I do. Apparently, <laughs> yes. Yes. Congratulations. I think uh, some applause is uh, due for getting to the finals. Ah, you're you're very kind. He bowled them you're very over. Kind. Oh, he bowled uh, them all over. <laughs> That's right. Yes. Oh, but I, nice. I prefer bowling a maiden over, but there you go. <laughs> <laughs> wow, I mean, there's a competition, which is a cricket, a cricket analogy, not not. Oh, uh, no, no wonder so it was lost on us. It's probably gone straight over your <laughs> head, guys. No, it did. What was that? Anyway, uh, so that's that's only been my. Oh, and my other achievement was uh, delivery of a beautiful uh, recliner which my wife bought me for our wedding anniversary so how is it uh, she, Comfort- she, uh, comfortable it's delicious it's delightful it's uh-huh. uh, fabulous yes excellent nice. she has a new diamond in her ear and i've got a recliner ah, there you go. it's a fair nice. trade i'd say <laughs> yeah <laughs> <laughs> absolutely very good 
Captain right. Jeff. Oh, just me. Uh, let's see. I'll try to make it quick so we can move on to some feedback here. Uh, let's see. Independence Day, uh, July 4th uh, in the U.S. Um, well, it was July 4th everywhere, actually. Uh, but we uh, call it Independence <laughs> Day. Uh, there was the Peachtree Road Race in Atlanta. I did not run in that, but uh, one of our co-hosts did, Dr. Steph. And I, I think she did a she personal had a pretty best. yeah personal best um, at that ten k, uh, and uh, she after the race she called me up and said hey I'm hungry uh, you want to go for lunch somewhere I went sure so I uh, went down and uh, picked her up and we had uh, lunch uh, at a you know it's appropriate Fourth uh, of July Independence Day celebration to have Mexican food. Oh, yeah. Uh, I guess. No, actually hot dogs and hamburgers and that kind of thing. But we had Mexican uh, cuisine and uh, enjoyed that. And um, so it was nice seeing Steph when she was in Atlanta. Uh, Right now I'm on a three-day trip. Um, Memphis yesterday, Jersey City today, and uh, tomorrow uh, I'll be home in the early afternoon. And then you're off. Then I'm off for the rest of the month. My vacation kicks in on the 10th of uh, July and extends through uh, the first week of August. And, of course, everybody knows that I'm planning on heading up to uh, Oshkosh for the EAA Air Venture. And uh, I'm going to have all and my making t-shirts and making t-shirts. Yeah, I'm going to have to do that. I have a, a whole long list of things that I, I need to do. I just need to remember to look at the list. Um, but uh, yeah, so I'm um, looking forward to it all to the last minute. Yeah, well, you, Liz, I never leave things to the last minute. <laughs> I always leave things to the last minute. Anyway, uh, so uh, yeah. Anyway, it's going to be a lot of fun. So this is my last trip for the month, and then uh, next trip nice will be break. sometime you know, about this time uh, next month. And uh, so I'm going to enjoy that. And and all those of you who are uh, fortunate enough to uh, have the time off and take the make the travel to uh, Oshkosh, I hope that you'll. Uh, Seek me out. Try to find me. I'll be camping at uh, Camp Scholler um, and uh, somewhere there. And uh, more information about that as we get a little bit closer. And, uh, yeah, so that's my Oshkosh update. And uh, we talked about the new merchandise uh, from the man who uh, made it happen, uh, Jim. And so I'll check that little tick box here. And uh, Air Venture talked about that. Okay, cover art. Let's Captain Nick talk is back about that. Oh yeah, Captain Nick is uh, is back uh, as our creative uh, artwork genius, and of course, uh, the title of the last episode, "Collision." What collision? And of course, a very nice depiction of um, an engine falling off. I mean, you know, if you have a collision on the ground, you never know what might happen. Right? It might lead to <laughs> the engine falling off and the contrail uh, from that left engine um, ending. Uh, very clever artwork. Uh, did, did you put the? Uh, did you hide the uh, show number somewhere? I didn't look. Yeah, the show number is uh, actually quite relatively visible. You might need to expand the picture up a little bit, but uh, yeah, yeah, you need to. Uh, well, I don't know if I, how I can that. do that with uh, <laughs> with the slides. <laughs> no, you can't. Yeah. No. No, if you want to go find it, you'll need to look around a little bit. Okay, is that a clue or around? Possibly. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, cool. Um, so but we uh, need we need a good some good suggestions for this week, of course. Of course. You should put up the the t-shirt graphic yeah. and just use that. Oh, uh, Liz is th- suggesting that we just use the uh, t-shirt graphic, but that 
might be more suited to the graphic for the show that we, we record up at Oshkosh. Can't you use it twice? Hmm? Can't you use it twice? Uh, well, yeah, we could always use it twice. Well, we'll see. Um, anyway, uh, what else? Okay, we talked about that. Okay, it's time for coffee fun. So uh, here we go. I'm going to hit that button right there. Johnny, how much more coffee? No thanks. I love coffee. I love tea. I love the APG community. Coffee and tea and the Java and me. A cup, a cup, a cup, a cup, a cup. Oh, yeah, it is. Coffee fun time. That's uh, Jeff Smith singing our APG Java Jive. And uh, the Coffee Fund is your way to, I mean, there are many ways to support this great community of ours and this show. Uh, But one of the ways that we really appreciate are those people who have the resources to support us financially. And if you're one of those folks with the money just burning a hole in your pocket, can't stand it, uh, you can join the Coffee Fund Cadre or the Coffee Bar Club and a couple different ways to do that. One is the OG, the original um, Coffee Fund classic method. And Basically, that's what uh, people would use for a one-off or two-off or every now and then kind of a uh, contribution to our show. Um, But there are several people that also have uh, signed up for recurring uh, contributions. And I mentioned in earlier shows that we're just going to mention now uh, the folks that just do the once-in-a-while contributions because our patrons, that's the other way you can uh, participate in the coffee fund by becoming a patron of the show. And they are continuous contributors, uh, pledging a certain amount of money every show. So if you want to do it that way, we highly encourage that, uh, head over to Patreon. Uh, we'll see patreon.com slash airline pilot guy. All the information is available by heading over to the uh, website, airlinepilotguy.com slash coffee. You'll be glad you did. We will, too. Just send your cash. We have a new patron. Oh, shoot. Uh, good point, Liz. I was about to move on to something else, and I've forgotten I that we have a new patron. And there it is on the screen. His A new executive producer. Yay, Richard Smiley. So thank you very much, sir, for uh, becoming a patron of the show. Again, uh, Patreon is a way for uh, you to contribute to small creators. Well, yeah, I'm kind of small um, in uh, stature. Uh, And uh, you can uh, pledge a certain amount. per. Are you okay, Liz? Did you fall over? You okay? I'm fine. Okay. Um, And uh, yeah, so uh, it's it's a great way to to support uh, podcasters and YouTubers and people that create, uh, you know, uh, have small creations. They like content. to uh, content. Yes. Content, content creators. creators. There we go. Thank you, Liz. She's my, she's my words when I lose them and she pr- pr- pours them scary. into my ears. And yeah, it is scary, isn't it? Anyway. So uh, consider uh, joining the coffee fund cadre or the coffee bar club. Why don't you? All right. And now it's time for us to move on to feedback. Captain, incoming message. And let's start off. And I apologize, Jim, I didn't send you um, any of this stuff so you can see it as well. You just have to listen. And uh, 
and input whenever you chime in. deem. Yeah, chime in when you deem it necessary. You've got just over an hour, Jeff. Okay, just over an hour left in the show if we go the full three. Uh, this is from, uh, oh, Greg. Um, let's see. Uh, hi, crew. I uh, hope everybody's doing well. As some of you know, I lost my job at the big fan company when my position was eliminated due to restructuring. But I'm still APG's big-ass fan. <laughs> yes, you are. I'm happy to report that I have accepted a new job here in Lexington, Kentucky, with a manufacturer of construction equipment. I'll now be to blame for some of the items on your NOTAMs cranes. <laughs> yeah, we see those all the time. Um, oh, I should mention that a couple of weeks ago, I uh, had a Lexington layover, and I met up with Greg, and we had a nice dinner, and he filled me in on his new job and uh it was very fascinating uh, the the company that uh creates or yeah manufactures these cranes pretty cool stuff big things um i was recently discussing this is greg again i was recently discussing with some of my avgeek buddies the topic of what boeings or airbuses i'll throw you a bone captain nick next aircraft should be i came up with the idea of a slightly larger diameter fuselage bigger than a narrow body smaller than a wide body that could be built in a twin aisle configuration with two, two, two seating configuration in economy. First class would be one, one, one and business could be one, two, one. This would make every seat an aisle or a window, a better passenger experience and would provide two aisles for faster boarding and uh, unloading a better operational efficiency. It turns out that there is an FAA regulation on the width of an aisle on commercial aircraft, and that's uh, 14 CFR 25.815. Miami Rick probably knew that. Uh, that says yes, on off a, the top of my head. I do it. says on a commercial aircraft with more than 20 passengers, the minimum aisle width is 20 inches. So to add the extra aisle, the fuselage would only need to grow in diameter by about 24 inches, just for good measure. One of my one of my buddies that works in operations at a major U.S. airline thinks that this is a great idea. But two of my other buddies that work for major U.S. airlines, one as a ramper and the other as a triple seven first officer, think this design will be cost prohibitive prohibitive to operate. I'd be interested to hear what you all think. Thanks for producing a great show every week. Blue skies, tailwinds and cold beers for everyone. Thank you, Greg, our big ass fan. Um so, uh, anybody have any ideas that uh, or opinions that just kind of jump out right away, and you want to go ahead and take the baton? Yeah, I'll go start off by saying um, airline operators are so weight conscious that the newspapers you'll find on board are printed on thinner paper than the one you buy uh, on the street corner or used to buy. Uh, you know, they'll trim down menus by an inch or so just to save a few ounces or grams of weight. So the idea of uh, building an, air, an aircraft with all that extra metal uh, just to be able to fit an extra aisle in, um, I'm afraid is probably going to be prohibitively expensive. Yeah. Well, you know, so let's say instead of 20 inches, what if we just added mm, 16 inches? Huh? <laughs> I don't know. Classic. Possible idea. Very good. Yeah, that was uh, an idea from I Hall Boxes. Thank you. Um, 
Uh, yeah, I, I agree. Uh, the extra weight, um, well, just in the development cost. But I mean, eventually they're going to have to come up with a new design anyway. What do you think, uh, Miami Rick? Do you think that uh, the Twin Isle thing is a, is something that's doable? Or do you think they're going to stick with the standard kind of I don't know. It's, it's just, uh, you know, Boeing has been teasing this, um, this uh, MOM middle of the market jet for so long now. Um, maybe a new, I, I read an article the other day. When was it? When was that? Something about a, a new seven, five, seven type jet coming out. Um, I, I don't know if they're going to designate that as seven, nine, seven. I, I don't know. I, I really don't know. I, but I'm with, uh, with Nick here, uh, when, when you talk about the, uh, the weight savings and if you, if you notice a lot of these newer type aircraft, they don't even have IFEs anymore because they count on passengers bringing on their own tablets and tapping onto the, the, the Wi-Fi entertainment on the jet itself. And so, uh, every bit of, uh, every bit of weight that can be saved, um, and it translates into a cost savings uh, down the road, uh, especially with, uh, with fuel being, uh, as you know, the price of fuel being so volatile. Always, you know, historically being volatile and, and it being one of the most, uh, I guess, uh, expensive operating costs for an airline. Uh, I honestly don't I, know, though. I, um, yeah. Too bad we don't have I any, like, an aerospace a... engineer uh, on I know. the uh, panel that we could. Uh... Which, which, which we have. Oh, wait a minute. We do. Uh, Nick uh, Camacho, uh, what do you think? I, I'm a mechanical engineer. Oh, never mind then. <laughs> Okay. I don't do all that weird arrow stuff. Yeah, but you still have no, an I opinion. Agree with, yeah, yeah. No, I, I, I agree with uh I agree with both those guys. Um you know, when you look at I mean, and I remember it's probably this was probably fifteen years ago. I remember watching uh uh a news uh a TV article on um airlines getting weight out and they talked about how somebody somebody had uh like done all the analysis and like the sky, like Nick said, the sky mall magazine and all the things that are in the back seat of that chair, you know, they thinned those out and basically made those things buy their way back onto the airplane, saved like six pounds of flight. And when you looked over the course of the entire amount of flight hours over the entire fleet, it was like millions of dollars of savings. <laughs> didn't didn't Bob Crandall back in the American Airlines days? Uh, he took uh, a an olive out of the salad or some something like that, and uh, saved a bunch of money that way. Um, I don't know. I, I don't but, know, uh, but it is, you know, when you think about, um, uh, like the I've heard people complain about the comfort level of seats in like the newer ERJ one forty fives. Cause you look at the the seat cushion and it's like a one inch seat cushion instead of a two inch seat cushion. And that's a minimal thing compared to like the amount of structure that you'd have to add to, uh, to add that 20 inches. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, uh, the next generation of airliners might actually be a blended body in which case, you know, you might actually have a lot of space inside um, that, you can let the airline decide how many seats they're going to put in and what configuration they're going to be. Of course, there won't, probably won't be any windows, but yeah, um, un, you un, know, unpiloted blended wing body airplane. Ah, oh, might well be. So you never know. Be. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, they'll wait till Captain Jeff retires first. But Alpha's <laughs> going to like that. Yeah. 
Yeah. yeah well, if there's no pilots for, to belong into Alpa, they're not yes. going to have much Alpa's to not say about it. Be a thing anymore. <laughs> hey, you know what? Y'all can have fun with all that stuff. I'll be out in my RV driving around and uh, staying away from those pilotless airplanes. Is that your self-driving RV? No. <laughs> well, yeah, me myself driving. Yes. Um, Fair enough. Hey, we have some fun from uh, JJ Pittsburgh. Um, he sent us in an, some audio feedback, and he says he says uh, pop quiz. So uh, let's take a listen to what he uh, has to say. Greetings, APG crew. It's JJ Pittsburgh. Um, I'm working on becoming JJ Nashville to do music, and um, I'll talk about that at a later date if anyone cares to listen. But um, so I did have a musical question for you guys since I'm in the music frame of mind. Oh, that's my GPS talking to me. I'm on my way to an Uber ride. And anyway, <laughs> anyway, um, uh, to get, I guess to get this feedback past the um, feedback screeners, um, I will have to make it an aviation question or, or a musical question disguised as an aviation question. Uh-huh. So I'll, I'll put it this way. So to the APG crew, I'll pose this question to all of you guys. Um, so if you had one band or musical solo artist that you would have a chance to fly to a gig, who would it be? And why? <laughs> Quiz time from JJ Pittsburgh. So anyway, um, I haven't said um, checked in in a while. So yeah, um, just wanted to say hi. Thank you, GPS. Um, I wanted to say uh, hello and just checking in, posing that question to you guys. And I will hope to see some of you at Oshkosh because I am looking forward to that next month. Um, all right. So have a great show and peace and love peace and love peace and love jj uh look forward to uh uh having a a beer or gin and tonic or two with you at oshkosh um so um who uh would like to come up with their uh the the band or solo artist or whatever that they'd want to well, I uh, I guess I'll start off. Um, I guess it'd be it'd be Guns N' Roses, and the reason why I I uh, I basically had to because it was on my schedule, and um, that didn't go over <laughs> so well because um, this is <laughs> this is the uh, what two thousand eight I think it was two thousand seven anyway. Um, Axl Rose and uh, the guitarist I forget his name they got in a fight, and so. Axel went his way. The other guy stayed behind with the rest of the band. Axel, uh, they had to get, we had to get him to Rio de Janeiro for the, for the Brazilian leg of their tour. And, um, it was a little touch and go there for a little bit because, you know, the, the, the band was, but I bet, I guess these people are always splitting up and getting back together. But, uh, anyway, uh, Axel ended up making it uh, on his own on a private jet and we took the band with us, uh, did our job and, and that was that. But, um, now that's my uh, that which one would you want if you could pick one, not the one that you if I could act- pick one? Yeah. Oh man. Like if you is there any any particular band or artist that you would just like say, Oh, that would be just awesome for me to have on my fly. Probably Leonard Skinner to get him there safely. 
<laughs> okay. Yeah. Good. Yeah. Excellent. Rewrite history a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think, okay. I think for me, I think for me, it would be you know smaller planes, mm-hmm. Cirrus. So it'd be much more intimate. You know, you right. get to know them a lot. But uh, I've always been interested by Sting. You know, just intelligent. You know, uh, catalog of music over the years. Played a billion places. Done a billion things. I think he would always be somebody that I'd like to grab a cup of coffee with, or oh, yeah. we were on a flight. You know, just have a have a chat. Come and fly in your Cirrus with you. Yeah, Slash is who you're talking about. Oh, Rick, Slash, right? that's what it was. Yeah. Exactly, uh, okay. yeah. Very good. Thanks, Jim. Um, Nick Camacho. Uh, man, you know, for me, I think... I think his, his intent of that question, right, was like the musical interest, but uh, I think if it's just any musician, I think I'd probably want to fly with Jimmy Buffett oh, yeah. just because I'd rather talk to him about his airplane stuff because he's got oh, a bunch yeah. of cool airplanes Yeah, he and we could just fly around talking about his yeah. albatross and I think he'd be a cool guy to hang out with. Hmm. Yeah, that would be. And I love his music too. Win-win. Yep. Um, yep. Nick, uh, Captain Nick. Yeah, well, I've flown with a few already because uh, we, you know, Virgin Records and Virgin Atlantic – you know, we used to shift a lot of their uh, uh, stars around. Um, so uh, I had Jamiroquai on board. We flown Tom Jones around a lot. Uh, there was some rapper on board once. Uh, he liked the sound of my voice doing the PA. So when we landed, he stayed on board, and he uh, they sent me up a piece of paper and asked me if I'd read these words out because he wanted to record it in the cabin and put it on his next album anyway. Um, did, did he? Whatever. Yeah, did Does it have no idea. <laughs> I can't oh, remember his name. <laughs> but no, from a personal point of view, uh, Don Henley's uh, always been one of my uh, favorite ah. uh, artists. And in fact, uh, Don Henley is an individual artist or any of the Eagles, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just superb. That's, that's kind of my classic uh, go-to music whenever I need to uh, listen to something decent. Well, today coming into Newark uh, International, Liberty International, uh, there was a, a young lady, well, not young, um, but not old, uh, who was getting <laughs> good save, in between. Good save. Uh, a that, lady. <laughs> yes, a lady, an attractive woman. I don't think she was a musician, but she said, you have a very sexy voice. And I went, oh, thank you. <laughs> Great. Uh, does that make up for my good bad job. landing? <laughs> love it I, I had the opportunity to do one of those today uh ladies and gentlemen this is captain crash uh we always <laughs> oh, avo- no. tell you to be careful with the uh the the sh- items shifting in the overhead bins but this today especially careful uh because of that last landing there anyway so i, I had fun with it nobody complained as as far as i know um anyway um you got an overlay. I do. Yes. Uh, hang on. I'll tell you when to put not, it in no, there. No, I'm not putting it okay. up. Okay. So, um, many people know that um, that I love jazz. I love all forms of of music, but uh, I especially love jazz. And uh, a band that uh, I've played their music um, many times on the show, uh, the U.S. Air Force uh, Airmen of Note. Go ahead and put it up there, Liz. Uh, this is a picture of them in uh, Mobile, the Mobile Jazz Festival, uh, which I was involved with our high school and 
the Mobile All Star Jazz Band, which I was a member, uh, played trumpet. Um, were uh, we hosted the uh, Mobile ja- Mobile Jazz Festival back in the way back in the seventies, before the turn of the century. And uh, so I think this was in '76 when uh, the Airmen of Note were the clinicians that would uh, come and you know run their clinics. And tell us uh, who during... they are, Jeff. Like we don't. Own oh, the the U.S. Air Force Airmen of Note is the uh, U.S. Air Force's uh, jazz band or big band jazz ensemble, and basically they uh, continued in the um, the style of the Glenn Miller band. Um, ah. And uh, so they wanted to keep that tradition going, that big band kind of style of music. So, and I love the big band uh, stuff. So, and uh, I think that guitarist looks like Captain Nick. Oh, uh, Liz thinks, go ahead and put it back up there. Uh, Liz. I tried to, but oh, I, there you go. Oh, there we go. Yeah. Uh, Liz thinks that the guitarist looks like a young Captain Nick. Is that you, he Captain does. Nick? Did we know? Where, did we have a like a chance meeting in the mid seventies? <laughs> uh, no. I was in my guitar playing days. Yes. Oh, okay. Uh, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm a man of many talents. Yes. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. All right. So that uh, hopefully that was a, um, a a good answer for you, um, JJ. And that was fun. So thanks for uh, if for for chiming in. And I hope that that Uber ride was a good one. All right. I, I don't know. I haven't thought of the uh, show title that would come out of it yet. But if we could somehow, like, work the uh, episode art into like a rap cover with like a Thug Life Captain Nick <laughs> as the uh, cover art for this episode, I think it'd be yes, uh, backwards, yes. intriguing uh, ball cap. Yeah. Yeah. Spinning rim pendant. I think I've seen like some kind of a, <laughs> a depiction of of Captain Nick uh, looking kind of like oh, that in the past. The, uh, I think we had a photograph uh, taken of you and I uh-huh. uh, at Oshkosh um, a few years back, and I've got my hat on backwards. Yeah, yeah, that may have been. What about when he was on the motorcycle and his ironing thing? What about uh, yeah, when you were on the motorcycle when your ironing uh, competition um, video? Oops, you're you're skyping there. Oh, am I? You're skyping there. Ah. Say again. Say again. Okay, uh, Liz is saying that I'm skyping. Is that? Yeah, yeah, you're skyping. fixed yep. now, but we missed that last sentence. Oh. It was a, one of the best things I've ever said on the show live. <laughs> it was very Not profound. Not to be repeated. Yeah. <laughs> I can't repeat it because I don't remember what I said. Oh, it's happening again. You're ah, again. okay. <laughs> Why? Is. Why is that happening? I'm on my it must be, T-Mobile hotspot. It must be whatever word you're starting that, with that sentence with is setting it off. <laughs> you're frozen, Jeff. Frozen. Okay, okay. Uh, let me frozen, switch to... Okay, hang on, guys and gals. No, this is back. this is you, not you working. Just came back. You just came back. <laughs> okay. Um, shall I switch to the hotel Wi-Fi? No. Just okay. Keep going for now. If it happens again, maybe. Hmm. But I don't know why that's happening. I bought that thing specifically, so this wouldn't happen. Yeah, it didn't work out very well. Carry okay. Until Netflix time. Yeah, Micah, but he's on a hotspot. He's, he's yeah, I'm on a hotspot, so it shouldn't, you know, uh, shouldn't Wi-Fi. be the hotel people watching all their Netflix. Yeah. Although it, well, it's seven o'clock here, so I don't know. Anywho, um, number five. Number five. Uh, this is from. Oh, this is a good one. Uh, from Lindsay McNeil. Uh, Hello, APG crew. I'm not an aviator, just an enthusiast who enjoys listening to your podcasts. I live in right a neighborhood. Okay. 
I live in a neighborhood in Chicago that is directly under the uh, O'Hare flight path. My 22-month-old daughter and I love looking up at all the airplanes coming into land. We are able to discern which aircraft and airline usually by just glancing up. We like to guess before confirming on the Flight Radar 24 app. The noise pollution can be a lot during busy times, but it's been worth it since one of my daughter's first words was airplane. Very nice. Yeah. My question is, oh, you know what? Now, we discussed this before uh, we recorded, and now that I'm rereading it, Rick, you're absolutely correct. You and Liz uh, were correct about your assumption that this has something to do with uh, crosswind landings. My question is, during windy days, my husband and I noticed that the planes coming in for landing from east to west seem to come in from northeast traveling to southwest almost at a diagonal. How do, plan, how do planes land at a diagonal? I'd love to learn more about how this works. Uh, I've also been curious about how pilots land at airports like Midway with shorter runways on windy days. I feel for my fellow passengers who are white-knuckling the landing at Midway. I seem to enjoy them more than most. Keep up the good work, Lindsay McNeil. So I guess what she's saying, uh, when I first read this, I thought she was talking about like flight paths coming in at a diagonal and then okay. landing on an east-west runway. Uh, but now that I'm thinking about it, uh, it makes sense that she means uh, on strong crosswind days, uh, landing east-west, a strong wind out of the north or the south, you know, the airplane is going to to maintain the track toward the runway alignment. Uh, they have to crab or uh, or weather vane into the wind to keep the airplane going uh, on the proper track toward the runway. And she's wondering, how, how does that work? How do, the, how do, uh, how do planes uh, handle this? And uh, uh, some pilots handle it better than others. <laughs> Who wants to? Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> that's the answer. Well, um, Rick, what would you uh, yeah. say about this? Um, well, yeah, just, just basically what you said. Um, when the when you're coming into land, uh, usually the autopilot will do this for you, uh, tracking the uh, lateral, you know, extended center line of the runway called uh, the localizer. Once you click the autopilot off and you have a visual with the runway, basically all you do is just maintain that. And uh, the reason why you 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 weather vane into the wind there is because if you didn't, if you lined yourself up with the runway, you'd end up downwind of the runway. And the idea here is obviously to land on the runway. So you basically keep that uh, that crab angle until just prior to touchdown. And then what you do with your feet, uh, you that's how you operate the rudder. Uh, let's say you have a wind coming from the right, right? So you basically you're 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 weather veining to the right. And so what you're going to do is you're going to you know, very gently but positively introduce enough uh, r- a left rudder to line the nose of the aircraft with the runway. And at the same time, you have to uh, bank the wing or basically introduce a, a, a rolling motion or a bank in- into the wind. So basically, you know, left rudder, line it up, right, a- right aileron to bring that wing down. Because if you don't bring that wing down, that strong wind from the from the right is going to lift your wing up. And that's that's not good. So you're basically at that very last portion of the flight, you are what's called uh, cross controlled. So you straighten it up, lower that wing and a perfect touchdown is uh, when you touch down with the upwind wheel first, upwind uh, landing gear first, and then the downwind one, and then you gently derotate the aircraft. And the and 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 it's very important here. You you're not quite done yet because the wing still wants to fly. You have to keep that 
wind correction in all the way until you're slow enough where the wings is uh, are not producing any more lift. Then you taxi off the runway, park it, and go grab a beer. Pat yourself in the back for that good landing. That's basically how that works. <laughs> and as I said, some people do it better than others. <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's no, challenging think, though. Today, challenging. I think conceptually, like thinking about that crosswind, I always visualize. You know, instructor back in the day with me is the river analogy. That if we had um, a dock on one side of the river and there was a dock on the opposite of the side of the river, and we needed to go in our boat and row right across the river. Well, if we pointed straight at the dock on the other side, we would be pushed down river, right? We wouldn't make that particular dock. And so you have to actually push the bow up river. And if you just look at the airplane flying, you know, into Chicago Midway or something, it looks like it's flying sideways, but it's really not. It's like that boat, the, the bow is pointing up river, but it's actually going straight across and when somebody explained that to me, I like, ah, okay, I can visualize that because it's, you know, you can't see air and you can't see wind moving around. So sometimes when you're first trying to get your head around how airplanes crab and, you know, crosswinds and all of that, um, you know, it's like, what are they doing? But that always helped me. And I, I always remembered that and uh, the river analogy. And I know I've heard you guys talk about that in the past as well. That's a great one. It's a great analogy, though. I mean, it's uh, and you know, just just like just like water, air is a fluid, and so it it, it works perfectly. Yeah, I mean, I I use uh, boat analogies all the time, like uh, for like wake turbulence. You know, it's a great way to say, you know, a boat puts out the wake, and we can see it in the water, but in the air, you can't see it. Yeah, so that's usually an excuse why we kind of bobbled a little bit. You know, where we get into somebody's wake, um, like coming in on an arrival or something. And I haul boxes there. I'm sorry, Jeff. Um, you're you're going to keep saying. No, no. Go ahead. No, I was going to say that I haul boxes there. Says that uh, weather vaning technically is only the when the gear is in contact with the ground. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. But I mean, I guess in this in this in this instance, we are referring to the um, to the point where you know the, the pivot of your of your um, your vertical axis there, the, the axis about which you uh, you yaw. And so, mm -hmm. uh, in a way, you kind of are weather weather vaning. Um, but yeah, I, I, I see your point as well. Yeah. All right. Hey, Nick, I think it's getting kind of late over there. Captain Nick, kind of getting late over there. I don't hear you. You're, oh, I think you're muted. You're it is a little bit. So Sorry, I was desperately looking for the um, title artwork I did of you riding a crab. <laughs> In oh, yeah. hand, uh, <laughs> and Rick riding his crab in behind you, uh, but I, I couldn't I find it. One. I couldn't find it in time. But there you go. Yeah, it's uh, it's pumpkin turning into time here. So um, I'm gonna. I've got a you know match tomorrow, okay. uh, so I need to uh, get my be beauty sleep, and, and I'm gonna leave you uh, and let the lovely Jim do all my talking for me. Oh, okay, good. Oh. No <laughs> you have to practice your so, uh, traditional your, british accent your british Absolutely. accent exactly yeah so lovely to see you all uh great uh, to have you on board jim brilliant and uh, you, i'll catch you all next next week all right good night Take and care, good luck all on the best. match see you later. i'm sure you'll do wonderfully yeah he's all right gonna be, he's gonna be great yeah. Number six. All right. Uh, moving on then uh, number six our control room is telling me 
how's the how's the connection? Still okay? That's getting yeah, strong yeah. now. Okay. Good, oh, yeah. this is one of those where I hope it's going to maintain its goodness because I have to uh, load up a video uh, that goes along with this fee- piece of feedback. So here we go. It is just about queued up. That's not the one that I. Yes, it is. Okay. Um. All right, going back over here to Evernote. Howdy, y'all. This is from Texas Charlie, and the title of his feedback, Boys and Their Toys. He says, howdy, y'all. Although the attached video is only marginally associated with aviation, it's cool as hell. (laughs) I've heard enough stories from military members to know that hijinks happen, often involving uh, multi-million dollar, highly sophisticated military equipment. If the statute of statute of limitations for such fun and frivolity has expired, can you regale us with some of the more interesting moments of taxpayer-funded, adrenaline-fueled hilarity that you're aware of? Uh, watermelon bombing runs out of the back of a C-130 Hercules, inverted flying uh, or flyby of the tower, a quick landing and rush to the closest John because of a bout of explosive diarrhea, uh, inquiring minds want to know. Uh, adios, Texas Charlie gives us a link to this uh, video that I'm about to play. And uh, so here, let me see. Let me get the volume down on it just in case it's going to be too loud. And I'm going to add it to the stream. Now, you see if you're watching the video. And if not, uh, in the show notes, we'll have a link to this. Uh, this is from the uh, Ultimate Military Channel. And um, it is a... Um, what do they call these things? Uh, cat catapult launching system off of a yeah. aircraft carrier. It doesn't look like an airplane though that they're launching. Oh, well, what the heck was that? It looked like some kind of a vehicle, some kind of a four wheeled vehicle. That is, uh, I guess this is the uh, Gerald Ford, uh, the newest uh, class of um, uh, aircraft carriers for the United States Navy, and the catapult system that. Uh, <laughs> That, that, that kind of looked like a traditional steam-powered one, didn't it? I thought I saw a little burst of steam. But I think that the Gerald Ford um, uh, clips are uh, – yeah, you can kind of hear it a little bit here. Let me turn the volume up a little bit. Um, it's, it's an electromagnetic um, catapult launching system. And uh, there are people out there watching the uh, – launch of this vehicle, I guess, specially designed to test this uh, catapult launching system. Pretty cool. It's like, you know, launching big things off the end of a aircraft carrier, as we do, (laughs) just to see how this thing works. Yeah. So I guess that's the electromagnetic noise that this uh, catapult system is using as opposed to the old fashioned uh, steam powered. Uh, oh, that's a better angle. Now we're looking at an angle from. Oh, Ooh. nice. Ooh, it skipped. Yeah, a little skipping action there, like you skip a stone yeah. on a on a pond or whatever. Yeah. Um, not I hear not. these uh, these catapults are are a lot uh, a lot. They, they they go a lot easier on the aircraft. You know that initial pull. Oh, the uh, the uh, the electromagnetic uh, ones. Yeah, versus okay. the uh, steam driven ones. Okay. Um, which I guess I don't know. I, I'll never know. <laughs> oh, Tim Van Ram says my brother Mark was a test engineer on the Ford. How about that? Um, so I guess this is a Ford that they're uh, launching into the water. <laughs> the Gerald Ford. Oh, the Gerald Ford. Oh, okay, gotcha. I really honestly thought that's what he was referring to. Let's. 
Um, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, I do need a break, Liz. All right, so uh, a lot more to go. Uh, well, not actually a lot more to go, but uh, it's kind of fun to watch these things. <laughs> Can sit here all day watching it. Anyway, so uh, thank you for the link to the uh, video. And now, as far as I'm thinking, we sh we let Captain Nick go a, just a bit, a tad bit too early because I'm sure that of all of us, he would be the one that would have the the best story of military hijinks and that kind of thing. I really don't have any stories other than the time I got sick on a 141 after eating Guam chicken and very <laughs> large quantities of Paps Blue Ribbon beer. Ooh. Yeah. That's the only time I've ever been sick on a on an airplane. And it had nothing to do with motion sickness. It had everything to do with Guam chicken, which Alcohol is poisoning. fried chicken, very greasy fried chicken uh, with a lot of hot sauce doused all over it. And uh, yeah, I'm going to blame the PBR on that one. I'm sorry. Well, maybe it could be the PBR as well because uh, we we had several cases of, uh, yeah. of that. Yeah. Anyway, um, any uh, let's see. I guess uh, Nick Camacho had to had to leave us uh, as well, so we're not going to hear any hijink stories from him. Um, he kind of unceremoniously uh, departed, and maybe his connection. Uh, he lost his connection. Um, when we said goodbye, Nick, he thought he should go. Yeah, <laughs> right. All right, I guess. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so, do you have any stories of uh, hijinks, um, Miami Rick? Hijinks, uh, <laughs> like crazy stuff, like uh, fooling around, uh, probably more than you should. Maybe wasting taxpayer dollars. Probably not. You mean like that one time I took a seven six under a bridge. No, yeah, that time. Yeah. Sure. That. <laughs> yeah. Inver inverted. Inverted. Exactly. Mackinac Island uh, bridge. Um, <laughs> wait, that was another another airplane, another story. Uh, yeah. Jim Mercado? Uh, you know, in, in GA, uh, you know, not so much. Uh, uh, seems to be pretty supportive. But um, I do recall uh, flying into Prescott, Arizona in uh, a Cessna. And had a pretty cool experience where the Navy was uh, pinning the wings on one of their uh, pilots, mm -hmm. uh, an individual becoming a pilot. And uh, the uh, commander there uh, kind of, you know, winking and saying, hey, you know, over my way, he goes, hey, it's uh, it's really icing out, isn't it? It's just terrible weather. <laughs> and I'm looking out going, uh, he goes, no, trust me, it's really icing. You don't want to fly. <laughs> uh-huh. And he, he was getting on the phone to call whoever he reports to, to say, oh my gosh, you know, we picked up some icing on our training jets. We can't shed yeah. ice in any way. So we're going to have to go ahead and spend the night here. Mm. So that was the the wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> like we're going to have to spend. Mm -hmm. So I thought that was pretty cool. That is. There it is. Now were they bloody wings, Jim? Uh, uh, Cause that's what we did in the air force. You take the little backings off the little, pins that uh, are on the back of the wings and you, you place them appropriately in the chest and then you just pound it into the chest. That's Ooh. what they did. Yeah. Every, you know, there were, there were six jets and all of them just, you know, the commander pinned the wings on and then the others just followed up and just punch this yeah. so much fun. right in the chest. Oh, <laughs> so God. much fun. And it does, it's painful. not really painful at all. Um, just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is uh, some hijinks of, uh, of there you Rick go. There's my hijinks uh, the, right there. the irony. 
that's that's as spicy as it gets in my but, uh, yeah but that's not really too nervous. extreme to be honest rick especially compared with uh captain nick's um you oh. know ironing um yeah his, escapades his, 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 yeah, his oh here we go <laughs> speaking of uh wow that's loud um No, I, I can't control the volume on this. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Can you still hear me? <laughs> okay, that's enough, Liz. <laughs> wow. Just an ironing in yeah. the mood. <laughs> um, uh, Anything else, Liz? <laughs> no. That's, that's a whole other level. <laughs> that's it. Absolutely. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, you, you said Nick mixed the hijinks, so we thought we'd play some hijinks. Okay. All right. Yeah, not exactly what I was thinking, but... It works. Okay. Um, do we have time? How, how? Yeah, yeah. We've got a, we've got about a half an hour left. Okay. But, I don't uh, I don't know if we're going to go that full half an hour yeah. left, Rick's, but Rick's uh, got to go for dinner. Soon. Okay. Welcome back, Nick oh. Camacho. Okay. <laughs> he just waved at us. All right. S- sorry about that. The uh, they needed some help. Oh back yeah, in no the problem. Trailer. As I said. No problem. <laughs> yeah. When you need to go, you need to go. Uh, no, no stress zone here. Um, let's, uh, continue with at least, uh, another one or two of these, and then we'll, uh, wrap it up for today's show. Um, oh, Jeff, um, flight team, uh, Jeff, uh, let's see, let me get this, uh, sound clip available or, uh, ready to go. Uh, he says to us, uh, good day, you wonderful people. I write to you because last time I sent audio feedback, um, a handsome mustachioed pilot and his Acme drones heckled me because of how fast I spoke. I just don't have three hours of my day to dedicate to beer drinking. So here I am writing a way too wordy email instead. Today is Friday, June 17, and it is official. Let me see how I'm going to do this here. Um, I uh, am done with Aviation Maintenance Technician School. Yay. Here we go. Congratulations. June 17. So that was uh, a couple weeks ago. Uh, I've already passed my first two written exams and have my first oral and practical test this Sunday. So it sounds like he's going through uh, kind of the same sort of thing you're going through, Nick. Yep. Right. I'd say so. Okay. Uh, wish me luck and good, send good vibes. Okay. Well, June 17, it's been a while. So good luck in, in arrears. Um, mm-hmm. and, <laughs> belated. Uh, belated. Or belated. Yeah. That's a better way to say it. <laughs> of course, <laughs> I'll never be done learning. In his rears? Yeah. I didn't say in his rears. I said in arrears. <laughs> of course, I will never be done learning as there is so much I still don't know. If you have learned one thing during, if I have learned one thing during my many years on this giant blue marble filled with way too many windbags and CO2 generators, there is always more to learn. No, I was not referring to the Acme Airlines crew. Thank you. After being stricken with a debilitating APG syndrome and learning about the always hilarious OB Charlie Alpha segments. Okay, that's another show. I should have uh, redacted that. I felt it only right to become or renew my patron support. I've uh, really much enjoyed listening to your shows during my drive to school every day. I hope to continue to listen as I drive to work at the ionizing radiation detector Charlie. I have no idea which uh, 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 Charlie airspace he's talking about ionizing radiation detector charlie Hmm. 
There is so much y'all talk about that I don't understand because I've not experienced it, but it's still always entertaining and enlightening. As someone who has not flown more than 20 hours over 30 years ago, uh, uh, you and your fans fuel my passion for aviation. Maybe one day someone will answer my question about what a Terps is. <laughs> um, what? Let's see. What uh, Terps is a terrain... Um, Evaluate. I don't know. I'm guessing. Yeah, I think it's a type of elf. It is a yeah, it is an elf over there on uh, opposing bases. Yes, there is a Terps elf uh, who is one of the uh, little elf workers in uh, the uh, government uh, agency um, of Terps. <laughs> um, it's the uh, it's a thing that they Terps is a thing that they do when they're analyzing instrument approaches and departures and that kind of thing and make sure they have all these engineering things that they do with planes not airplanes but like like uh level it's, it's mostly for it's mostly for 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 obstacle clearance and obstacle how you build clearance, yeah. approach procedures and departure procedures uh, yeah. to to accommodate that and uh it's um it's usually it's, it's u.s standards for 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 that kind of stuff for building approaches uh, arrivals and departure procedures and you can tell whether a chart is compliant at terps or not because on the lower left margin of the chart it'll tell you what kind yeah it'll tell you whether it's a terps chart or any other kind of chart because there's there's different um different standards different countries use different standards um we in the u.s obviously use terps and and, and you'll be able to see that on fa charts might be uh, uh, some other yeah. countries use uh, like burps and that kind of exactly thing. Burps. Uh, and another thing farts yeah. farts yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. All right. Uh, let's see. Keep the empty void above and fill the one between your ears. This is uh, Gulf Romeo Jeff flight team signing off from the land of burnt coffee beans near the unfair child triple. Tri this is something they do on opposing bases. People try to disguise the uh, airspace that they're talking about. And sometimes they get very creative and so creative. Sometimes even the opposing bases uh, hosts. Uh, can't figure it out. And uh, this is an interesting one. Land of burnt coffee beans. I'm thinking he's talking about Washington State, maybe the Seattle area, near the unfair child Triple Charlie. I don't have any idea what that means. Um, anyway, thanks, Jeff. Appreciate that. And congrats. I would say let's finish off with okay. 11 and 12, Jeff. The two finish off with 11 and 12. Ones. Okay, button pushing uh, feedback. All right, 11. Uh, this is... Um, from uh, Marty McFly. Wow. I didn't know he was a, a listener. Back to the future. Uh, pushing the button that should never be dot, 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 dot. Hey, Goose. <laughs> that That is a hell of a fart. Uh, Captain riding in an F-14 blasts off. He landed okay, as did the pilot. Okay. Are you showing that right now, uh, Liz, the uh, yeah, I slide? Yeah, yep. Okay. Um, so... <laughs> Oh, wait. Oh, What's that? that? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where that came from. I don't know where That's that came from either. That's the weirdest sounding F-14 I've ever heard in my it's life. A, it's, an old, it's, it's a, one of the older models. <laughs> Yeah, so that, that's before they did the GE uh, engine upgrade. That's a brand wouldn't clear. How did that happen? I don't know. I don't even re recognize whatever that was that was playing on the screen. I, I'm looking down at our little control panel. I don't see any of that stuff. Um, I don't know. That's odd. Okay. Uh, all right. Let's go back over here to uh, airspace no. interference. Yes. Somebody's messing with us. Uh, <laughs> uh, what do they call that? Meeker? Meekening? Meeker? Like when they're doing the GPS. Um, anyway, uh, here's a case where a person was being given a ride in the backseat of an F-14. During the flight, the person in the back 
accidentally ejected from the plane, and the canopy missing and back seat missing. The pilot landed the plane safely. The man in the uh, RIO seat was a Navy captain, actually a battle group air warfare commander on an orientation flight in the F-14D. By the way, a Navy captain would be like an 06, I believe, like a full bird colonel in the, uh, in the air force and army and Marine Corps. Uh, In other words, way up there, big, big gun Mm -hmm. as skipper of the cruiser in charge of the battle groups, air defenses. He had the chance to experience several E2C and EA6B flights, and he remarked the fact that the Prowler guys hadn't been able to make him sick. His parachute opened properly. I would never say that to a pilot. <laughs> they weren't able to make me sick. Maybe you can. His parachute opened properly, and he landed safely in the desert. He was recovered soon after and taken to the hospital with minor injuries. I don't know when this happened. Um has anybody well, heard of this? At, at least pushed. pre 2006, because they retired the. Oh, that's right. It hasn't been around for a while, so. right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, I just watched, uh, there's a uh, YouTube uh, aviation. His name is Ward Carroll, and he is a former naval uh, Rio on the F 14. Uh, great channel. He just did uh, this episode not too long ago. Oh. And yeah, that was a um, commander in the battle group getting a ride. He was qualified on the F 14, so they. I gave him a ride in the back. I guess the briefing was we're going to take off. We're going to go inverted just to make sure that nothing's laying around in the cockpit, you know, to jam the pedals or anything. And then we'll give a demo flight. And so they've just taken off, gone inverted. And I guess the, the you know, officer in the back was not used to the new D. And uh, I guess in the debrief, somehow his hands went down and pulled on the ejection. Oh, like um, I need to hand on to something to uh, keep yeah. myself from hitting <laughs> the canopy. When, when, it, when the airplane went inverted, just <laughs> a, again, a routine check. They had planned on that. <laughs> and uh, he said, I don't know. My hand just went down. Next thing I know, I'm out of the airplane. Wow. So, uh, yeah. But he was fine, and everybody's fine. They landed the jet, put the canopy back on. And, all and in fact, that's one, that's one of the things that one of the um, – you can tell it's a it's a it's a D versus an A and a B uh, just by looking at the ejection sheet itself because the A's and B's they have the two loops overhead. Yes, that was uh, the difference. Yeah, the D's. The D's he don't. wasn't. He he was used to the ejection handles being above the seat. Right. And I don't know if he fully realized that they moved them on this D model and they put them on the the bottom mm. of the seat. So. Yeah. Asking yeah, Neil was asking is. about the pod under the nose of the F-14 that we see here in the picture. Is that like the, the laser um, guidance for the missiles? E, and that and that's another difference between A's and B's and D's. Uh, uh, the D's they have two. You have a camera and uh, and a laser designator uh, okay. versus just the camera, the flare camera that the A's and the B's have. <laughs> yeah, if you like uh, this kind of thing, this like I said, this guy Ward Carroll on YouTube has okay. got some great content for that. Oh, awesome. Well, I'll try to remember to put that in the show notes. Okay, and then finally, let's uh, wrap it up with uh, this from Jake from State Farm. Um, (laughs) What are you wearing, Jake? Yeah, what are you wearing, Jake? Uh, The button that should never be pressed. Greetings. So it has been discussed at great length about a news story a while back and the fraudulent pilot who pressed that button that no pilot would ever press. My disclaimer to this is that I'm sure you have this information already, but just on the off chance you had not heard, I thought I would share it with you. Not so much as feedback, 
but more to cure all curiosity around the subject. This is also being suggested by another pilot and hearsay without further speculation on the internet and is not officially confirmed. So I cannot say with certain, well, if it's on the internet, it's gotta be true. Yeah. Uh, So on another plane podcast called top landing gear, From an episode back on the 28th of April, Uh, I've only just got around to listening to it because certain other aviation podcasts uh, take priority of my listening time. (coughs) Cough, APG, cough. Uh, They were discussing this news story. When discussing, one of the presenters and resident pilot of the podcast, James Cartner, mentioned how when he heard this news story, he spoke to the other pilots on his fleet about this story to try to work out what, what, what it was that he pressed. It was obviously acknowledged that every button has a reason to be pressed at some point. So working out that button is harder. However, most people thought it was that he had pressed the rat um, extension button whilst on the ground. I think we can all agree this is a button no pilot would press while on the ground. Okay. Um, And let's see. James Cartner said that he did further digging. And it was suggested that the pilot started the APU while on the ground. And instead of switching it off, the pilot pressed the emergency disrupt button, uh, rendering it inoperative. It is suggested the fraudulent pilot was subsequently found out by the engineers obviously having to be called out to fix the aircraft and the pilot having to explain to them what happened and then questioning his actions and not discovered by any pilot's suspicions being raised. It has been suggested that there was other stuff going on in the background in which the pilot was being investigated anyway, and this was simply the last straw. It's also proposed, well, a lot of uh, suppositions here. It's also proposed that the pilot was found to have a lot of Parker Pen P-51 hours, Parker Pen, oh, I get it, Uh Uh, P-51 hours from the Bahamas. That is to say, hours simply applied to his logbook not with flying hours, but with the swipe of a Parker pen. Yeah, that's a big no-no in our but world. But it was a button that no pilot would push because he wasn't a pilot. Oh, that's right. And that's how they figured out he wasn't a real pilot, yeah. Liz. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm sure that you've already heard both the rat theory and the APU theory, but I thought I would bring them to your attention if you had not. No, I hadn't heard any of those uh, ideas or theories, uh, Jake. Uh, He says, as always, keep up the amazing work you all do on the podcast. It really is brilliant. Jake, the less disgruntled than the last time he emailed (laughs) Britt. (laughs) Yeah, he was he was disgruntled with uh, Captain Nick, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Well, good. I'm glad he's not so disgruntled on this in in this round. Um, No, I had not heard. had, Had any of you heard any of these ideas or theories? No. And for people wondering out there what a rat is, no, it's not a big mouse. It's a uh, ram air turbine, which is uh, oh, yeah. something we use for um, – depends on the aircraft, but oftentimes for uh, hydraulic and electric either or or sometimes both uh, power generation when your engines are out because in flight, usually that's what you use to generate both electricity and hydraulic power. I have a, so. a photo of one here that we can all see. That's There's the uh, – There you go. That's the uh, one. <laughs> although this is the version that uh, is is a hamster, not a rat. Hamster rat. Yeah. So it's a, that's, a, that's, that's a, you know, it's an Airbus part, that one. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. um, so. <laughs> oh my. You had to do it, huh? Okay. <laughs> had, to go there. had to go there. All right. Um, yeah, I think, I think that's a a, a good show. Uh, yeah, we need to wrap this thing up, tie a, tie a bow around it and, uh, oh wait, 
before we do that, let's do 17. This is a good visual one. Okay. A great way to end the show. Uh, Larry uh, Gregory, the geezer in Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, sent in a cartoon. And go ahead and slam that thing up there. Um, and it is uh, depicting uh. a uh, air refueling uh, aircraft, except that uh, this is in the day in the future that uh, we don't have any fossil fuels anymore. Everything's electric and uh, the caption here is Jet Fighters of the Future, and it's just a long extension cord, a very large um, uh, <laughs> plug on the end of it, and then another uh, – well, I guess it wouldn't but be a plug. A it would be plug. an outlet on uh, on the end of the thing, and then the um, airplane has a two-pronged uh, – I guess – well, how could you ground it, Liz? <laughs> They're in the air. <laughs> so only two prongs that's, is necessary. That's true. <laughs> so uh, apparently whoever uh, drew the cartoon knew something about electricity. And uh, that's the way they're going to uh, refuel or recharge, I guess, the uh, fighters of the future. Uh, very clever. Uh, thank you, Larry, as always, for sending in the uh, cartoon. They just fly through some light. It's as long as they standardize the plugs. Right? Yeah, well, they'll nev- <laughs> that'll never happen. You know that, Jim. <laughs> You take off from the United States, and as soon as you get out, oh, you got to get, you got to reach out to the front and put that little adapter. I could just hear the conversation. Hey, you you brought the uh, the, the converter thing, right? <laughs> oh shoot, I thought you were going to do that. Uh, or yeah, yeah. here it is in the here it is in the cockpit. <laughs> right? Uh, how are we going? I know it's so big. Oh man, oh that's fun. Well, anyway. That shall do it for this week's episode uh, number 528, uh, the title of which will be released in due time. And then we'll be looking at some beautiful artwork that uh, Nick will come up with. And uh, we're going to discuss potential title um, ideas as soon as we end this live broadcast. But before we do, we are going to tell you to head over to AirlinePilotGuy.com. It's our website. Lots of great stuff on AirlinePilotGuy.com, including uh, merchandise that we talked about here earlier. And, uh, of course, our merchandise guy, our uh, brand ambassador, I think you call yourself, Jim, for the APG. And uh, that's there. Let's see. What else do we have here? I think I have a here. Let me throw this up here. Um, We have the calendar uh, podcasts, uh, plain tales page with more information about the the plain tales uh, that we have uh, every once in a while now. Uh, Information about the crew, uh, including. Well, no, it's not including um, Nick Camacho. We're still working on that. Uh, and of course, all our uh, bio, uh, bios are are old and and uh, need to be updated. But just Somebody don't even be working on that on their yeah, holiday. Don't go, don't go there. Just don't even click <laughs> on that. Uh, we have the APG library for those of you who know how to read. Uh, coffee fund information, APG store. We just talked about that. Contact us, and of course, the APG community calendar. So it's all there. And if you want to look up something uh, in particular, an episode number or whatever, you can always use a little search function, a little magnifying glass. And I don't know if it always. I don't think it shows up on the um, the phone version of the uh, of the website. But anyway, there you go. There's the uh, airlinepilotguy.com website, and we're also on social media. And who wants to take a stab at social media? You want to do it, Rick? Yeah, I'll do it. All right. 
All right. So uh, just uh, leave your excellent feedback at uh, feedback at irrelevantpilotguy.com. That comes over to us. We look it over. We talk about it. We laugh at it. No, I'm just done. <laughs> we um, say disparaging we, things about you. <laughs> we, put, we put our heads together and come up with the uh, best possible answer to give to you. Uh, also, uh, Facebook page, Airline Pilot Guy. Everything Airline Pilot Guy related on Facebook as on there. And obviously at APG Crew on Twitter for everything APG related on the Twitterverse, as well as APG Crew on Instagram. That goes for the Instagram platform, another great platform. So that's yes. the uh, social meads. And Lucy's oh, yeah. got something to say. That's the old social meads. And of course, we are also on a quasi-social meed kind of thing, uh, Slack. We have a Slack team, APG Slack team, uh, headed up by um, Hillel. He manages it and he started the whole... Hang on. Oh, I, I hear him. Hey, Hillel. Hillel, tell us about Slack. I know. We're always ready for you, though. We got lots of... I laid out a bunch of towels between the bathroom and over here in front of the uh, equipment. And uh, I'm talking about audio equipment, by the way. And here we go. (laughs) Sit down here and tell us about Slack. APG listeners, please join us on our Slack team. Slack is a communication, coordination, and sharing platform that works on your mobile, laptop, or browser. On Slack, we share news and ideas. We suggest episode and plain tales topics. We plan events and meetups. To get into the Slack team, please email me at slack at airlinepilotguy.com. That's S-L-A-C-K, Sierra Lima Alpha Charlie Kilo at airlinepilotguy.com. Or send me a tweet with your preferred email address to at Hillel, and I'll send you an invitation. That's Hillel, spelled Hotel India 11 Echo 1, and see you in Slack. All right. Thanks, Hillel. Where's the soap? In the soap dish. Okay. Uh, I do, do really do appreciate Hillel and all the hard work he does uh, managing that Slack group and all those Slackers there. And uh, let's see. Also, we want to say a big thank you and round of applause to our producer, Liz, in Toronto. Yay, Liz. A place to stand and a place to grow. Toronto. Ontario. 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 <laughs> Yeah, My thank, pleasure, guys. Oh, uh, it's always, uh, you just don't know how much work that she puts in in the background. We really do appreciate it. I especially. And finally, and thank you, uh, Jim, for hanging out with us today. That was a lot of fun and uh, coming up with the Osh design. And until next time, wishing you all clear skies, unlimited visibility, and tailwinds. Talons, Douglas. Take care. Be good to each other. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. See you all next time. Bye, everybody. Good day. I used to be such a good, good pilot. Till I started APG I opened doors for little old ladies I helped them to their seats Airline pilot guy I fly America oh, Airline pilot guy He can't land in heavy fall. Oh, I got no friends cause I'm always flying 
I just don't have the time But I can land this old plane I can land it just fine Airline, not a guy I fly away 